back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise podcast. After a long hiatus, it's time to remember this crap again. Um, with Mike Donahue. Mike, how are you? Happy to be back, Andy. Thanks. It's been a while, like you said. The, the Bears are going to play the Philadelphia Eagles on uh, Sunday. And this is a long-running rivalry in the NFL... A very one-sided rivalry, despite the fact that the Eagles have won the last five in a row. The Bears, the Bears have the all-time lead the series, twenty-nine to sixteen to one. So at one point, the Bears had won. The Bears won twenty-nine of the first forty-one. Sure. They would have, uh, yeah. These are old Eastern Conference, Western Conference uh, teams that would not really have uh, met every year prior to the '60s. So, and when the Bears were dominant, the Eagles weren't. The Eagles' first golden era was in the late '40s, and they didn't meet the Bears. They did meet the Chicago Cardinals twice, in fact. Uh, Lost to them for the Cardinals to this day, still only NFL championship. But then the Eagles got their revenge on them the next year for their first ever NFL championship and for good measure repeated with Steve Van Buren and the boys in 49. And then uh, not again until 60 and then not again until four years ago. So, but yeah, the teams, these are like two OGs. Before we go too far down the rabbit hole, I just want to make a quick comment about the New York Jets because unfortunately, Andy, as you know, schedules did not allow us to uh, permit us to uh, drag the Jets. Uh, we may have to wait four years, but I just wanted to see if we could real quick before we get rolling, throw one quick Bears-Jets memory because I have one. And I just want to say it for the record. It is uh, somewhat mundane, but it was in the Bears Super Bowl season of 2006. Not 85, but they played the Jets in 85 also as it happens. But uh, the same day that Alfonso Soriano signed with the Cubs, mm. The Bears won a game in which Jets coach Eric Mangenius decided to start the second half with an onside kick, which failed. Nice. And that's that's my that's my Bears Jets memory. I can move on now. You got one? Well, I was just gonna say that we didn't do a traditional remember this crap on the Jets. However, we did an entire game a couple years ago. That's right. That's right. The, we didn't uh, need overtime. The Blair Thomas, uh, Steve McMichael stealing the fumble from Blair Thomas. And an improbable bear victory over handsome little Pete Carroll and the Jets, which is most famously remembered for Cap Boso uh, wandering around with an entire chunk of sod stuck to his face. The turf, the, the turf monster from Lake Michigan. No, I was yeah, going to say that, that it's it's funny that the main genius had uh, tried an onside kick against the Bears to start a half that didn't work, and uh, a guy that I for some reason always equate with him, Marty Morningweg. Uh, is most famous for winning the toss in overtime against the Bears and yeah. uh, kicking off. Well, there you go. There's probably a reason yeah. that the two of them uh, didn't coach after. Although, Mangini did get a second job, right? Didn't he coach He the did, Browns? Cleveland. Yeah. Yep. He did come back. Poor Marty. He's, he still waiting. he's still waiting for his chance. Marty never got another chance. Yeah, because I, I think Mangini may have taken the Jets to the playoffs. But that's neither uh, here nor there. Um, well, Mangini, yeah, I mean, he was such a pop culture icon. He's the Mangenius is referenced on the Sopranos. It's was he not on the Sopranos, or was that just Tony Saragusa, the late Tony Saragusa? Wasn't Tony uh, 
former NFL Super Bowl lineman for the Ravens, Tony Zergus. Did he play a role as one of Tony's uh, bodyguards oh, for probably. a few episodes? I was wondering if, if, they, yeah. they, if Mangini was somehow like on the In show a poker as himself. Game. Yeah, that I just I thought like a poker game, but I could be. I you're right. I think he was written into the script and was referenced in a conversation. Paulie's the one who called him the mad genius, right? Well, I I think people around the league did. I guess no, I mean funny. in the show. I think he's the one who got the line. Oh, it was either him right. or Christopher. I'm pretty sure it was Paulie. Probably because David Chase thought it'd be funny to listen to him try to say man genius. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah, Soprano's been off the air 15 years, over 15 years now. So, oh, Eric he Mangini. was on. Yeah, I thought he was. He was in like a poker game or something like that. Don't maybe not. Sometimes they would drop Mangini. like Frank Sinatra. Oh, he's in Artie Bucos. He's in Vesuvio with Artie Bucos. Oh, that's what it is. There he is. <laughs> so Artie is the one who call, who says "man genius, man genius," and he points at the table, that, and then Tony yeah, gets up it, to go say hi. Paulie would have said it uh, sarcastically. Hurdy Buko. It's my, it's my guess. <laughs> All right. Well, good. I, you know, I, I don't think Eric Mangini's name has come up probably because, well, maybe we did do the Browns, but I don't even know did if the ever, Bears ever face him. Other than that, I, 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 don't, like I don't think I don't think so. The other thing about that game was uh, it was like a ten to three game. The only touchdown was like a seventy yard Grossman to Mark Bradley, which I think was Mark Bradley's only touchdown that season. Uh, it was a catch and run. It was like an eight yard f- pass towards uh, the sideline, and Bradley beat his guy, and then went the rest of the way. So that's uh, that will conclude our our abbreviated and annotated uh, to the ninety one gamecast. Jets yeah. Bears remember this crap. So the but, Bears and Eagles first matched up on November twelfth, nineteen thirty three, and it was a championship barn- season. It was a barn burner, three to three tie. Of course. Bears, hey, that, you know, not bad, not bad for an expansion team, right? That was the Eagles' first season. I'm I'm showing it is. I got the okay. Eagles page up, so that's Damn. the first season. Uh, and I'm just point that out because the Bears were uh, absolutely dominant. And would in fact go on to win. They were defending league champions and would uh, go on to win the first official championship game in '33 at Wrigley Field. So good for the for the hard scrabble company Eagles to. Uh, we probably weren't a company team anymore by 33. I think that's when the NFL is really, you know, they had championship games and shit. Maybe they're a little bit more legit than just a factory belching company teams the, by 33. Uh, the Eagles and Bears would match up 10 more times uh, between 1935 and 1947, and the Bears would win them all. Not only that, but if you include the 33 game, the Eagles didn't score a touchdown against the Bears until their fourth game. Nice. So there's a reason. <laughs> there's a reason that the Bears lead the series twenty-nine to sixteen to one. Yeah. Well, when you're sort of in, in this period where that for the next eighteen years you're pretty much the best team in the league, and then you're facing a, a, an expansion team at the beginning of that cycle, um, even though you're not in the same conference. So you know, good thing for the Eagles. Imagine. Imagine if they were in the Western Conference uh, with the Bears, right? And they not only played every year, but played twice a year. Um, I, I reckon, uh, I reckon that uh, that difference would be even wider. 
because I didn't play that, you know, I'm looking in every, say, 38th. Kind of was every year, I guess. I guess that's probably how the schedules went. My apologies. You would play every team. I mean, they played every season, like I can see now, from 33 on. So I guess that's how the NFL schedule was. You just played with there were probably about eight teams in the league, four in each conference. You'd play your own yeah, twice. Played, that's six. They played basically every year until 49. Then I got space. Okay. That's when the Browns and the 49ers and the Colts and the old AFC teams uh, joined. And NFL started getting a little bigger there. So they couldn't quite schedule teams uh, every year beginning then. So, yeah, Bears definitely built a pretty healthy healthy spread. Yeah, they won 20 of the first 22 matchups. That's worse than uh, any stretch of Brett Favre era over the Bears. Eagles yeah, the fi- Eagles. Eagles finally got two wins, two went two in a row. They beat the Bears in seventy nine and eighty. They beat them in seventy nine in the playoffs. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Um, just to just to just to track the just ice to, game. Yeah. Was there ice on the field no. in this game? No. Maybe, but it was in Veterans no Stadium. No excuse. Oh, we can talk about it if you're ready. I, I, I was still just pulling it up chronologically about them just getting their asses handed to them the first like 15 years of their existence before they, like I said, they won those championship games. And then, I mean, they were just, they were, you know, they were not much of anything really. They were there. They were always on the schedule. I mean, you want to talk 79 though. That's, 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 I'm here for it. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I have, unless you have much to add. Uh, well, I've, I've, I've stated, right. Well, I'll just tell you that I've said it before 79, it just happened to be the year that I, you know, I kind of picked up on the last couple months of the Cubs season. And then the bears have this Walter Payton guy. And even though they're not in Monday night football, we can watch, you know, one highlight narrated by Howard Cosell while we watch Monday night football and dream someday we'll be there. And the bears had a kind of a crazy season. We've gone over how that they had to kick the shit out of the Cardinals on the last week. And Roger Staubach and what would be his last regular season game had to pull one out one last time to get us in. And sure enough, our opponent that year was the uh, the high flying, new age Dick Vermeil led Philadelphia Eagles, and uh, it was very exciting. I could, you know, I'm only seven, but I could totally. I mean, I was geeked, but you could sense the you could sense the tension amongst the older members of the household, my brothers and my dad, because you know I think we discussed it too. The Bears had been had had arrived in the playoffs two years earlier, breaking the longest drought in their entire history at that point 14 years uh when they you know endured their first real dark age uh but then they got completely drubbed by the cowboys in the 77 wildcard team and dallas was at their peak they went on to win the super bowl 79 though this entire game is on youtube and our good friend george allen is the color analyst and it, it might oh, be God. a vince scully it might, it might be a vince scully production um, uh, and our friend Mike Phipps, of course, is the quarterback. This is a Bears team where Vince Phipps-Alini was in full force. Each of those guys played and contributed to the wild season. But uh, Philly was was the favorite. They were the, I believe, there was a wild card game, which back then you only had two wild card teams, and that weekend it was just two games. And uh, the Bears hung tight. So this is the game that I've talked about before. This is a real sort of a, a pain point. Seven years old. I'm totally into Walter Payton. And at some point in the game, 
second quarter, third quarter, Bears are inside their own 15. Peyton breaks off what would become regular season or postseason, the longest run from scrimmage in his career, 84 and a half yards. He didn't score. He actually got tackled like on the two-yard line. But the Bears were pinned in their own end. The penalty, it was not a hold, which a lot of fans sometimes will get mad and they'll blame it when you kind of ignore the fact that a hold might well have been a factor in the play. It was a bullshit, illegal legal shift or procedure call on poor old Brian Bashnagel. Uh, nullified the whole thing. And I think it was at a point in the game, um, you can track it down because, like I said, the entire game is on YouTube. I watched it about a year ago uh, through the agony and the ecstasy. There's also some shitty white receiver from Philly that broke loose late for like an 80 yard time. He wasn't even one of their famous guys. I mean, Philly was on the rise. I mean, Ron Jaworski, Harold Carmichael, Wilbur Montgomery. That was their offensive uh, trinity they're all i mean to this day i see carmichael is still their all-time leading receiver um and montgomery was a hell of a running back but you know uh we were bears fans so we didn't have to we we had the gold standard there but uh it was a it was a tight game the final score 27 to 10 right yeah but 27 17 but it was uh it was a, it was a pain point, and it uh, really kind of made me hate the Eagles uh, early on. Bears had a seventeen ten halftime lead. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> willing to thrill the nation. But uh, Phipps had a great game. I don't know why. Uh, Thirteen of thirty for one hundred forty two yards and two picks. <laughs> it's the same career story. high passer rating of thirty point one. I would guess. I don't know. I'm not even gonna look that up, but. Walter, 16 for 67, two touchdowns. Davey Williams, 10 for 23. Uh, Ricky Watts and Brian Bashnagel both had three catches. Oh, Ricky drops a huge pack. Andy, I'll does. find the link. Drop it in. Um, Ricky was an exciting player. He returned a punter, had an 80-yard touchdown in that Cardinals game that got him into the playoffs. Uh, he was also a guy that later on, a few years later, got a little chubbier and found his uh, shoulder pads and other equipment in the parking lot, thanks to a curly-haired new head coach in town. Um, but Watts, I know, absolutely dropped one right through the fucking bucket, too, at some point in the game. So I'm sorry to mention that, Ricky, in case you're, uh, you know, that your name checked for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Ricky on he was a barefoot kicker, right? He was. Yeah. yeah. That's Isn't that nuts? dumb. Uh, let's see. Did Bob Thomas miss an extra point? Uh, oh, that's right. They scored 17. I'm going to say not no, likely. I don't know if he even missed a – he did miss a field goal. Uh, a 50 or longer. What were you even trying? What? It was 50 yards. He missed a 50-yard field goal attempt. It had to be the end of the half. I've said this before. Bob Thomas couldn't make a 50-yarder if you let him kick it and then kick it again from the spot where it landed. He would not – Give him two cracks that it's not going to happen. Well, back, back to Tony Franklin. You'll remember, too, that we're on the veteran stadium turf. That, all right, yeah, it's 79, so it might be a little bit less, like, fatal than it was, like, for Wendell Davis 14 years later. But so you're walking around in a bare foot in, uh, you know, in fun. Uh, January in a parking lot painted green. So... Yeah, it's a different uh, time. One right? thing I neglected to do, and I don't know why, is uh, we haven't gone through the the early coaches of the Eagles. Uh, do you know where their first coach, what his name was? No. Lud Ray. L-E-D. I love the names. Lud. That we need, we a future, need to go, need to go a back. A future commissioner of the league coached them for 56 Bert, games. 
Burt Bell? Yes, Burt Bell. They were 10 and 44 and 2 for Burt. That's a cool 196 winning percentage. Then, yeah. The, do you know who was their coach when they won the NFL championships in 48? I did only because I, I looked it up earlier, but it's a name I've heard before. You probably have two, and it could be a very inappropriate uh, double entendre. Greasy yeah. Neal? Greasy Neal. Earl Greasy Neal. Hall of Famer. Yeah, that's a name that we'd probably heard. There might be an NFL and film. And the picture, script. I should remember to put the picture in. He looks like Ed Lynch. What? He looks like Ed Lynch with weird pants. Wow! If only, wow! <laughs> he actually almost looks like actually Andy McPhail. Now that you mention it, uh, yeah, I can see. Wow. Actually, if Ed and Andy had a kid, which they probably did, yeah, it would have looked like Greasy Neal. Greasy Neal. Uh, Greasy must have got must have quit early. Maybe no, opposite. Bo McMillan uh, only coached two games in '51, and then Wayne Milner took over, and uh, they went okay. after that. Then they had Jim Trimble. Remember him? No, nobody does. Hugh DeVore? Nope. Nope. Uh, His name sounds familiar, no. but I... It Buck, does. Buck but... Shaw coached him from 58 to 60, and he won an NFL championship. Should I know who that is? Buck Shaw was their coach in 60? Yes, Buck Shaw. I thought their quarterback was Norm Van Brocklin, yes. I think. So. And then they had... Uh, okay. Chuck uh, was, that... was that one of the years of Chuck Van yes. killed Frank Gifford? No, uh, it may have been the same season of their championship. Uh, it was around that time, uh, for sure, absolutely. Chuck Bednarik, number 60, Concrete Charlie, the last two. It was that player. amazing picture of yes. Chuck looming over a lifeless what? Frank Gifford. Frank laying there like a like a stewardess <laughs> in his hotel room. <laughs> right. Chuck, just get this over. They're, 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 uh, the NFL films, like uh, – uh, there's a there's footage of Bednarik. It's probably easy to find. When somebody asked him, because Bednarik's doing like this, he, uh, of course, I'm you know, nobody can see us, but he's sort of like standing on one foot and like like almost like um, dancing on Gifford, right? Yes, he's, he yes, he's celebrating because the the hit ended the game. That's and so he's exactly celebrating the Eagles right. win. And, and it, but he it says looks, that it, it, what it, I was doing was right. This game is. Over, and as he's bringing his fist down, just like Hawker, and uh, right, and but not right. It's funny, uh, yeah. He, you know, Chuck Bednarik, uh, definite, definite, uh, you know, uh, legendary Eagle, but that's their, I mean, you know, that's his only championship. That was their only thing between the uh, only postseason appearance between 49 and. The, the Vermeil era, I believe. I mean, they're mostly ass, and it's funny, the state yeah. of Pennsylvania really sucked ass in the 30s and 40s uh, and 50, outside of that blip in the late 40s and then again in 60, because uh, we've discussed how uh, how opposite uh, the first 50 years the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers have been to the last 50, that they had not only no championship games, until the Super Bowl era, no playoff games until the Super Bowl era, or no championship games, but one playoff game when they end up in a tie in that 47 season uh, is an all, all Pennsylvania NFL intra division championship to, or to see who would go to the title game. And uh, the Steelers lost their only single playoff game, uh, and they just happened to lose it to the Eagles. But the Eagles themselves were hardly a, a team that was holding dominion um, year in and year out. It was mostly just the Giants and maybe the, the Redskins. But uh, whole lot of nothing out of that franchise until the aforementioned uh, 
Dick Vermeil and whatnot. So when they beat the Bears, they didn't have you know they had a little bit of history, but you know they were still the better team and they won. But it was really frustrating that day. You know, it's one of those scars you earn as a kid. After for being a sportsman. After Buckshaw, I can only assume Chris Zorich's uncle Nick Scorich coached him for three seasons. Then Joe Kuharik. He's been brought up before. Also coached at uh, Notre Dame. Yeah, and I believe his son was the general manager that worked with Mike Ditka on the Ricky Williams trade or something like that. So uh, that sounds right. There's a relationship there. Uh, he was 28-41-1 with the Eagles, and that was the end of his coaching career. Sorry. Garge. Uh, the immortal Jerry Williams went 7-22. and Ed Kyatt, uh, 8-15. and Mike McCormick, uh, 16-25. and and then, crying Dick Vermeil took over. Yep. Coached for 101 games, 54 and 47. Um, he won the, uh, oh, um, Hub would be so proud. He was named Pro Football Weekly Coach of the Year in 1979. <laughs> Prestigious. I'm sure Dick has that right up on the right up on his mail, right next to the Lombardi Trophy he won with the Rams. Dick was three and four in the playoffs. Including a loss yeah. in Super Bowl and whatever year that was after the 80 season. I think if I know my uh, late 70s Eagles, Vermeil had come from college at UCLA and Jaworski had come from the Rams, the George Allen. And I don't know, not he wasn't George Allen anymore, but like he was a backup to Ron Brown or whatever. And, you know, they worked, they were a good team for a while, um, four straight playoff appearances before Vermeil, like, you know, right? Was didn't he become the uh, the avatar for coaching burnout yes. when he retired? Suddenly, he was like the first guy to actually call it that. He basically said that he burned out. He was one of those guys who would sleep in his office and yeah. all that bullshit that you don't really need to do. Right? Couldn't ha- couldn't handle it. He had to quit, and then he didn't coach again until what nineteen ninety seven. Not ninety seven. So it's interesting then too is that so in eighty one. So Vermeil. It was, I don't know how old he, he was a young coach, remember? Because he, yeah. he always kind of, he, you know, he, he, was, he was annoying. He, he was kind of new agey, I think. He was a more touchy-feely than like the greasy Neils of the world. But um, he, he, he takes them to four straight playoffs, and then they, in that strike-shortened season, they go three and six, which actually isn't horrible because you could have almost made the playoffs. That's when he retires, so kind of at his peak. At that time, John Madden was early into like his broadcasting career, in which, you know, he would become just a whole otherworldly type of, uh, you know, in, in addition to, to football media. And it was always speculated early on would John Madden never go back to coaching, and obviously he settled in and never did. And then Vermeil like kind of settled into like a similar trajectory until, of course, after like 15 years, he did come out of coaching. And he was like just an older weirdo then. But then he was like, after a couple tough years, he friggin' won the whole goddamn thing, which he didn't do with the Eagles. It's kind of a kind of an incredible uh, story. He's been played in movies by Greg Kinnear and Dennis Quaid. Now, Randy, Is that right? Randy Quaid would have been even more fun. I was, was going to ask if it was Randy Quaid. The, uh, the Mark Wahlberg movie about the special teams guy that they – Hired off the street. I've that's, never that's seen that. Unbreakable. Or, yeah, I think it's okay. That's great. And then uh, uh, American Underdog is that what it's called? 
America's Underdog, something. The Kurt Warner story. That has uh, oh. that is Dennis Quaid playing an older, an older Dick Vermeil. So. That's fast. That's fantastic. That is. That's, now that's not like you know the, the coach played himself in. Uh, what's the Will Ferrell uh, kids soccer movie? Oh, I love that movie. Is that I'm, right, I screaming? Screaming. Yeah, I watched it with my kids. I actually enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, you know who else played themselves uh, in Brian's song? Apparently, uh, Doug Buffone and Ed Obradovich. Yeah. Good. Yes. So, I don't know if they still Gabe get royalty. Gabe himself in that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would have been I don't know what Charles Durning. Who could have been a good <laughs> Charles Durning? Maybe a little too young in the early seventies. Or maybe Ned, uh, Ned Beatty was too young. <laughs> Ned Beatty was too young. Maybe yeah. Can't think of an aging fat guy uh, by that Jackie Gleason. Maybe oh, Zero uh, Mostel would have been good. Okay, Zero Mostel would have been good. Abe That's awesome. Um, but yeah, so the the Eagles after Vermeil. So yeah, now I can start. You keep naming off these coaches. Well, oh, now they get start... and they get uh, a guy who also uh, illustrious career with the Falcons, Marion Campbell. A, a a repeat mention in who in uh, remember this crap a two time Atlanta Falcon coach right two time I think so this was the Marion Campbell Philadelphia era both after and before when he coached for the Falcons yes the Grover Cleveland of coaches of the Philadelphia non successive terms as head coach exactly uh marion got the gate with a game to go in the 85 season two, yes and fred bruni got to coach it and he won back one to and, not knowing the coach one and sorry oh, baby. well that no. just set the stage then for their hire after after the uh after the bears had beaten the actually before the bears had beaten the patriots in the super bowl word leaked out that the eagles had hired buddy ryan to be their head coach and supposedly, and I still want to know how this physically could happen, but supposedly Dan Hampton threw a chair into a grease board and all four legs yep. stuck. That, that, stuck I have that right? right through the right through the board into the wall. And was it a prop? Several people have told that story. It doesn't mean it's not bullshit. It just means several people have told it. I'm gonna choose to believe it. Why not? Let's see. But the Bears, they see they so seventy nine. They lost twenty seven to seventeen. In eighty, they lost seventeen fourteen. Couldn't get and the Bears sucked in eighty. Couldn't get their revenge. They played them tough, and then I just really hated the Eagles. Louis they, G, Louis Giamona caught a two yard pass from Ron Jaworski to give them a lead. They would never. What uh, about the Bears? Who scored for the Roland Harper? Oh, good old Andy. Yeah, I had, probably the year I had Andy my jersey. Harper. That's yeah, right. You probably wear. You're probably wearing, wearing it, that jumping up and down for the TV while you're watching. By the way, uh, folks, if you you can buy a replica of that jersey in the Decipio uh, store, <laughs> and it, I got one. Uh, one of the intrepid readers <laughs> apparently liked the shirt, and he emailed me, and he's like, "Does it have to say Andy on it?" <laughs> like, yeah, that's the joke. I'm not selling Roland Harper merch. Tell you that because nobody has, but it's there. Well, nobody can get a Roland Harper jersey otherwise, so no. if anything, that might be the, the, the end around. No. So and it actually looks a little more like the one I – it most looks more like a bear jersey than the one I had because I have the right number font. You know, it has the bear font. I do, it doesn't That's have the right. trim on it. I didn't want to get sued. But um, 
on the the, the jersey I had, it was a, all the numbers. No matter what team you got, it was just those black, conventional black football numbers. That's right. Eighty-three. The Bears won a barn burner. Hey, eighty-three. By the way, you might not notice this. Eighty-three. The Bears played the Eagles twice. Oh, did they? Yeah, I was so excited as a kid because that. Remember, I would say how like if you finish oh, and God, fifth play back back then in the schedule, you are even like a ten-year-old kid that could like multiply and figure out logic and figure out what the schedule would be every year based on how you finished. And if you, so, you know, so you'd play the same AFC conference every three years. But the NFC was determined by when where you'd finish. And if you were first, you play the first and third team in each division the next year. And if you were second, you play the second and fourth team in division. But because of expansion with the Seahawks and the Bucks, uh, you had or whatever, you had five team divisions uh, in two of the three conferences in each division. In those cases, you played the other four, t- the other five team division, the other fifth place team in your conference twice, wow. home and home. And uh, and the Bears finished last in '81 and '82, but in eight, but in '82, the strike shortened the season to only nine games. I think they would have played the Cardinals twice wow. uh, in '82. But yeah, and wow. uh, and the other nice thing was that the Bears, if I remember correctly, beat the Eagles both times, even though yeah, Dick Vermeil was gone. Yeah, I felt I felt some revenge as a now 11 year old. Uh, on the on the on the you know on the wound from that playoff game in '79 that the Bears drummed them and the but the, the Eagles were back to being down and out because Vermeil was gone and whatnot. Bears won. And the, and the Bear, conversely, the Bears were on the ascension, of course. Bears won the game in Philly seven to six. Dennis McKinnon caught a twenty-yard touchdown pass from Vince Evans in the first quarter, and that was all the scoring the Bears would need. The Eagles got two Tony Franklin field goals in the second half. But the Bears won seven to six. Very Bears defense, by the way, is probably at this point already as bad as the Bears might still be. Uh, you know, and the win loss uh, measure. Bears defense probably top eight defense in the NFL. Well, let's see. Maybe top Eagles. Uh, and the Eagles, like I'm thinking, like I, they probably still had Jaworski in '83. I mean, they probably still had members of their failed, uh, you know, Super Bowl pursuit. Although Carol Carmichael, I think, was pretty old by 79. So Carmichael. They had Mike Quick, though, by 83, I think. Ron Jaworski, in the 7-6 loss, was 11 for 30 for 136 yards. Got sacked four times. Washed up. The uh, Bears allowed a total of 225 yards to the Eagles. Okay. Then in the rematch, a month later, Bears won 17-14 at beautiful Soldiers Field. Um, Mike Quick caught a 47-yard pass from Jaws, but then Jim McMahon threw a pair of second-quarter touchdowns to Dennis McKinnon and Emery Moorhead. And uh, Bears mm-hmm. hung on, despite a Tony Woodruff touchdown pass from Ron Jaworski. Oh, that tied it in the third, and Bob Thomas yeah. had a 22-yarder. 22-yarder. <laughs> That's right at the fringe of his range. Uh, Bears won. Thank God they got six seconds to go. Bears won. All all the way down to the five yard line. Thank God. Uh, Yeah. Jaws was considerably better in that game. He was twelve of twenty one for one hundred and fifty yards, and he only got seconds. Good job. Yeah. 
And the Bears, uh, both teams, it looks like same record, but the Bears are going up, the Eagles are going down, and at that point, the Bears were kind of really heating up. So it's kind of, yeah. if you're looking, if you ever break down the whole like rise and fall of the Ditka era Bears, you're you're looking at that game. You're kind of in the early, real sort of the early fruition of it, I would say. But wouldn't be for wouldn't be for well, just a year, I guess, when they'd actually win a playoff game, but. Still slogging along. At least they took out the Eagles twice. So then the teams wouldn't match up again until week two of the 1986 season. I was there. First time I'd see the Eagles in person. Did they play Hotel California? <laughs> oh, the Philadelphia Eagles. I always get those confused. Excellent. Don Henley came out. Yeah. yeah. Glenn Fry's there oh it was you know so so put it put it in the context too where the eagles now they're five years removed from a playoff appearance now the bears you know last time they played the bears had clowned and now the bears are top of the world defending super bowl champs the eagles are not supposed to be good yet although they would be soon so but nobody expected it looked like the Bears, this is the second game after the Super Bowl, guys. And the Bears scored like 40 points the week before against Cleveland. So uh, Philadelphia did, did, though, have two young, very good interior defensive linemen, Reggie White, Jerome Brown. But nobody, it's, uh, if you basically, the Bears would have been probably 18 point favorites in this game. Let me just say that. But uh, instead, the Bears, uh, yeah, the Bears won, uh, thirteen to ten. Ron Jaworski started well, quarterback for the Eagles. You remember this game, right? Oh, it was overtime. Right, right. I mean, it was just like it was. It was actually the first hint after the Super Bowl that, God, man, because I think McMahon was already hurt. Yeah, Tom's that right? quarterback. So it's like they're slogging through with no offense, and that'd be the you know a, after the Super Bowl, just the well, no same passing, song and dance. no passing offense, no passing. I mean, no pass, not yeah, no, no, no real attack. Tom Zick was and that, ten of twenty-two for a hundred yards and three picks. I, I guess my point is the fact that this game went to overtime was like shocking, and it was like, all right, well, if you love Buddy Ryan, good for good, you know, um, good for him, but you know that game should not have been that close. But yeah. Um, Walter Payton ran 34 times for 177 yards. Still and, racking and them a off. touchdown. Willie Galt ran twice for 48 yards. Bears as a team ran 44 times for 244 yards. Kind of, it's basically they were the they were the 2022 Bears. We didn't even yeah. know it at the time. Uh, I'm sure the three picks helped a lot. Unreal. Like times three quarterbacks played. For the Eagles, oh, oh, for the Eagles! Yes. I, bet, I bet you Randall got in, but uh, oh, yep. Matt Cavanaugh took three future attempted three future, passes, future and Randall Cunningham was one of three for thirteen yards. Was Jaws the other quarterback? Yeah, yeah he, he started it. eighteen of yeah. thirty for one hundred sixty-five yards and a touchdown. I would not have guessed. I would never have guessed that, even though I was at this game, I would never have guessed that Jaworski was still quarterback yeah. in his latest nineteen. That he was the quarterback later than than Theismann. The Eagles. Uh, Walter was 0 for 2 with a pick. 
Well, you know, look, when you got Mike Tomzak out yeah. there, you're running end arounds with Willie Galt. You're having Peyton throw it up in the air. <laughs> like, you know, anything to, like, like how the fuck are we? Like, you know, Ditka wanted to beat the shit out of Buddy, too, right? I mean, the, he uh, had to be absolutely out of his fucking mind. The Eagles tied the game with a minute 25 left and a 26-yard touchdown pass from Jaws to Mike Quick. I don't remember that. And then I mean, Butler, with 5.56 to go in overtime, made a 23-yarder for the win. That's That shows a lot of nerve of Philadelphia to actually come down on the 80, really the 85 Bears defense, who suddenly had like Todd Bell and Al Harris back for reinforcements to actually tie that game up. I don't remember going that way, but obviously did. And uh, so Butler walked it off. And then I think the image from the end of that game was like, of course, Mike Singletary, who's always very demonstrative, a little bit performative. You know, the big hug, right, after the Singletary is bawling because he's hugging Buddy Ryan after Buddy the game. Fat boy. <laughs> Good game, fat boy. Is that what he did, really? Yeah, he like endearingly? Yes. Well, I don't know okay. how endearingly it was when it started. Well, you know, Buddy. Then he called him fifty. Bit. He wouldn't call him by his name for like three years. Well, Buddy that. was famous for like, yeah, not acknowledging people's humanity. I guess when he coached him, but you know, give him, call him by their number. If you liked interceptions, but, uh, this game was for you. Andre Waters had two. Alonzo Johnson had one. Mike Richardson had two. Dave Dorsett had one, and Otis Wilson had one. So there was a lot of defense. There were eight interceptions in a game when Mike Tomczak had 10 completions. There were almost more combined interceptions than Mike Tomczak <laughs> completions. That's great. I really hate doing the Kevin Tomczak. Butler had kind of a rough day. He was 2 for 6 on field goals. Yeah. He missed from 38, 46, 37, and 55. Boy, Ditka so might have, it, Ditka might have yeah. cut him on the spot if they had lost. Well, I mean, Butthead, though, he had a lot of currency from the year before. He did yeah, but this, he he, shanked, he missed, if, if he'd have missed a fifth field goal and they'd have lost to Buddy. Yeah, right, right. Where, anybody got John Ravetto's number? Let's bring him back. Uh, the other thing I remember after the game was that Buddy ran straight to the tunnel. And so if people wanted to call Buddy a pussy, he said, well, I learned from Weeb Eubank because he was only Buddy's second game. Uh, I learned from Weeb Eubank that uh, you just go to the tunnel. You don't uh, go and shake hands with the coach. You know, there was, there was a lot of drama. Let's just say that. Easy to find a lot of stories about that day with an otherwise meaningless Philadelphia team. But not for long. Because Buddy would turn them around, and I will say that about Buddy. He just happened to be the one coach that overall was probably worse than Mike Ditka. That's why he's one of the only two coaches that Ditka beat in the playoffs after the Super Bowl. But Buddy did take the Eagles to three consecutive playoff games. He just couldn't win a playoff game because he wasn't that good of a coach. But give him his props. He did uh, He did restore the roar that uh, had vanished after the Vermeil era. They just couldn't get over the hump. I'm sure you remember all about this. They matched up again in uh, October of 1987. Yep, I do. First game of the scabs. The Bears just beat the shit out of them. 35-3. Yeah. A huge game by future Chicago Ooh. Blitz head coach Mike Owensee. 12 of 22 for 157 yards and three touchdowns. Some guy yep. named Sean Payton came in, and he was 5 for 11, 51 yards. Whatever happened to that guy? He ever do anything good? Uh, no, Walter Payton was not on that team. He was he was on the he was he wouldn't cross the picket line. No, this is his little brother Sean. 
Yeah. So this was the was first this game. So Sean got the unfortunate facelift. I guess it probably was. No, yeah, and the Bears won that game. The Bears win the next game, and then uh, their Mike Cohen he was hurt, so Peyton actually got the start. He shared him with another some guy named Bradley, and uh, that was the only game that the spare Bears would lose. Would lose. Dicka was so it, pissed that Hoensey didn't play. That Hoensey didn't. Hoensey was yeah. going to be on. They only yeah. got to keep the right. guys. They kept the cons, and they kept Egypt Allen. Egypt, Egypt Allen. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember. remember yeah. But they were going to keep Hoensey and. Ditka was so pissed that he didn't play in that third game that he told him to go home. Yeah. Which, you know what? He probably yeah, he would have played play. in the playoffs against right. the Redskins. Well, I mean, he probably would have been better than Flutie. <laughs> well, that's it. Well, uh, no, it wasn't Flutie in 87. Oh. McMahon was healthy, but like McMahon... Mc, oh, the, right. Maybe the A was Flutie. Your point stands... No, 86 was Flutie. But your point stands. Well, they all blend together. Well, your point stands. If they didn't have an upright, like, 100% McMahon, they didn't have any... You know, See, he very well... That could have been how it worked out. I mean, who was the quarterback that year anyway that won the Super Bowls? Doug Williams, who was a very good quarterback, but almost a journeyman by that point. Um, incidentally, well, a this lot of game, people called uh, Doug Williams the Mike Hohensey yeah, of right. the Tampa Bay Bucks. Just alternate universe. So uh, I, I wanted to alert in case uh, people out there haven't seen this. I saw it recently, thanks to my nephew Charlie. There's a you're you're probably familiar with this Dorktown series, John Boyce. Uh, kind of takes a lot of this analytical approach and makes it visual. There's a 20-minute video on Randall Cunningham seizing the means of production, but it's uh, it's it's really about the Eagles and Cunningham. But there's a point, and it's it's about partially about this game because this is the first game of the strike. And Buddy, to his credit, absolutely stood down and knew it was a farce, and uh, and didn't really you know give a shit and that's why the bears beat the hell out of them yeah i mean everything else being equal the, the eagles were not good the year before if it was the real bears and the real eagles that could have been the outcome maybe although the year before the bears squeaked by and the eagles were getting better these were not the real bears and real eagles and uh buddy i think is credited with just not giving a shit and ditka obviously famously and you just described it you know the whole wouldn't be his bitch you know would quite you know Ditka himself ironically right who uh is a player was a bit of a you know a bit of a firebrand himself and and is the guy that's famously attributed with calling out his owner for throwing around uh nickels like their manhole covers uh all of a sudden you know probably the early stages of his more metamorphosis into a republican stooge but uh being a coach which technically puts my management side uh, ultimately made no bones about the fact that uh, you know, he was on <laughs> management side to his defense. You know, he's got to work too, and he's got these scabs to, to play. But I, I know I've heard it on multiple occasions where even, you know, some of the, you know, the veteran Bears players were a little bit, uh, you know, a little bristled at, uh, at, at the relationship after after the whole strike. So that's, that's all I'll say about that. Um, so the game is yes a Bears Eagles game that the Bears won, but it's uh, really a uh, <laughs> kind of an outlier. So they would they would match up again the next season in the playoffs. Once again, I was in the New Year's Eve. Right. It must have been unseasonably warm. It wasn't unseasonably warm New Year's Eve. It was very pleasant down on the lakefront, yeah. and. My own personal recollection is, and I don't even couldn't even tell you what the score was at halftime. It was weird that all of a sudden Buddy had gotten the Eagles in the playoffs in three years. 
but we don't have time for that. The Bears are there, and um, you know, for the obviously at this point, what the fifth straight year, and. You know, we expected to win, even though, you know, we'd kind of gotten our knees cut out from under us by the Redskins in the previous two years. But I remember about being at the game was sitting in my seat and then looking, I guess it would be um, to, I guess it would be to my right, to the south, southeast, or it must have been northwest. Just noticed in that old soldier field, that bowl, like these clouds kind of coming in right before halftime. I didn't think anything of it other than the fact that by the end of the halftime performance, they just kept coming in. And then, um, you know, what was the halftime no, show? Was it up with was up with people there? <laughs> Probably the Jesse White tumblers. Uh, to be truthful, um, if it wasn't that quick diversion, my all-time favorite halftime gag at Soldier Field uh, until they toured, like, they up until like the late '90s, they would still do this one. Low rent, just hilarious entertainment though, where they would shoot a football out of a jugs gun straight up into the air. And they would have like three guys, three Joe six packs come out, right, with like a jersey on, thinking that they could, uh, you know, camp under and, and catch the punt. And and not only did I never once see anyone catch a punt, not only did I never see anyone really come close, almost every time I would see this in the in the 90, late 80s and the 90s, uh, one of the three fans, one of the three guys would like think that he have it, realize not and start to like panically like move <laughs> and then like trip over his own feet and practically get hit by the ball in the, in the back of his head. It was like, to me, it was just like legitimately awesome entertainment, but you're right. Other than that in the play, I, they, I think they were bringing out Jesse white tumblers at the playoff games in the, in the, by the late eighties. So I would bet that they were, but nobody could see him because there was fog all over the field. Like, and our seats were all the way up, like back, which all the seats were shitty in that place. So ours were actually usually decent because they were kind of at least up, which meant when the fog was in, we, you know, there's just whoever has a radio, we just kind of sat, you know, in our seats and listened to the radio the whole second half. So Tom's really? started, but McMahon played. McMahon was two for three for 13 yards. I don't. I don't know. I can't account for that. I know McMahon started the championship game the next week. I can't imagine, or maybe I could. That could just send McMahon out into the fog. I'm just assuming because um, McKinnon threw a touchdown pass early in the first. Or McKinnon, Tom's like threw a touchdown pass to McKinnon early in the first quarter. Yes. I mean, I so guess I don't know. Three o two into the quarter, so it's not. I doubt they had enough time for. Well, maybe Jim had enough time to start and get hurt and be taken out. No. I can't imagine. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to figure that out while we. Well, we can circle back to that. But I don't. I, all I know is I thought that. You know, another part of the dysfunction of of how they manage things in the eighties because I've gone down some like YouTube rabbit holes, even like Johnny Morris pieces on Channel Two and stuff like drama around the Bears. The fact that Mike Tomczak by now actually, you know. Remember, I, I characterized him before as being a guy that was like McMahon's lackey and that he kissed up to McMahon and that like they both would like sick on Harbaugh. But that Tom Zack himself actually sort of got like so big for his britches that he legitimately thought that he was a that there was, a, you know, it was, and there was the media talked about it. I, I, I am surprised I don't remember it that well, but it was like McMahon, like Tom Zack thought he had every right to that job as well. There was a, it wasn't like he was deferential to McMahon by then a little bit of tension apparently towards the end. I can't, and it frustrates me that that was even the case because 
we don't need to look back 20 years to see how horrible Mike Tomczak was, although it's painfully obvious he was. Um, yeah, and the fact that Ditka let that go on. But you know what? Ditka wasn't crazy about McMahon. McMahon wasn't always healthy. So you know, mind games and shit going on, they were just dysfunctional when it came to that position. It's almost endemic to the franchise until now. So the Bears led 17-9 at halftime. The fog rolled in. In the second half, two field goals. One each team. That was it. Luis Zendejas and Kevin Butler traded field goals in the second half. I don't even know how the officials could see the uh, the goal. I mean, right? Because you you were watching at home, and they they obviously had to use like sideline cameras. Yeah. Actually, was this could, one of like Vern Lundquist and Terry Bradshaw? Were they? Not it was one of Bradshaw's players. earliest games as an analyst, right? Early in his career, and they had to call it off the monitors because they couldn't see the field from the booth. And you, um, really, the the from my memory, the the cameras like, um like in the stands, like the permanent ones were useless. It was only the ones on the sidelines where they right. could get closer were the ones you could see it. And I just remember like, didn't Maurice Douglas like recover a fumble in the fog or something? And, he had an interception that oh, I think was captured. Yeah, or oh, yeah, maybe it was. was a ran it back 47 yards. Oh, Vestine yeah, Jackson had an interception returned 51 yards. Neither one of those guys scored. Oh, Mo didn't score? Too bad, because his touchdown dance might have really been yeah. something back, even back then, especially back then, comparatively. The uh, the Eagles weren't shy about throwing it. Okay, Cunningham, by the way. Randall was 27 of 54 for 407 yards. That's nuts. And three picks, no touchdowns. That's nuts. I, uh, I did find a story uh, eventually – Bears quarterback Mike Tomczak would be knocked out of the game, replaced by an injured Jim McMahon okay. who disappeared into the unknown as he trotted onto the field. I don't know if that's in the middle of an article, but uh, so that shows you McMahon was healthy enough to play and did complete Tomczak. I mean, obviously McMahon might not have been 100%, and McMahon did get the start the next week with a chance to go to the Super Bowl and didn't impress. But that was, you know. isn't that bare weather? Yeah. Wasn't the next That's the week? one that. It was right, going to be cold. Those, they were playing the Niners, and ha ha, we're going yeah. to the Super Bowl because when those when those wine drinkers from from the yeah. from Napa yeah. Valley, thirty five to uh, thirteen, or whatever it was, something bad. Twenty eight to three, I believe. Yeah. I don't think the Bears scored a touchdown. They got humiliated at home yeah. in the title game. Um, but yeah, so this was one of the two playoff games that Mike Ditka would win uh, in the in the you know after the Super Bowl. One over Buddy Ryan. The next one would be over Jim Mora, both of whom were answered to a trivia question, which I won an AM1000 ESPN T-shirt, Mac Yerko and, and Harry 20 years ago. Uh, Ali Sherman being the third coach at some point until Marvin Lewis blew by them that had taken a playoff, uh, taken a team to the playoffs at least three times and had never won. Uh, and Buddy didn't. Although Buddy Ryan and Jim Mora both had sons that had won playoff games. But wow. anyhow... Buddy's team was on the ascension because well, the next time they would play was well, the Well, before next we get to that, September. go ahead. Um, a former Bear had an interception for the Eagles. Todd Bell? Todd Bell. Did he and, really? And Glenn Kozlowski had a kick return in this game. So I'm sure Koz was probably telling them, all right, guys, I played in the last game against the Eagles. Here's what they're going to do. And they're all like, shut up, scab. <laughs> 
coach high school or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, go ruin WGN broadcasts. <laughs> Remember for a while, Kaz's uh, sidekick on GN was Rob Goldman. Oh, boy. Poor Rob. Rob got busted in a sting yeah. at, uh, at the Gurney yeah. Mills Mall. You don't hear Rob's name much anymore. Trying to have sex with a 14-year-old girl. Yeah, that's been a while. Yeah, it has. Because <laughs> last year was just horrible on the radio. hate him. All right, so the next time, 93. Uh, no, 89, the next oh, season. Oh, I missed 89. Oh, God, 89. During the during the All right. We're going to have to go over the 89 man. season. The Bears. They no, this, the Bears started off 4-0 yeah, with Dan Hampton. The... And, Dan, and, and then Dan Hampton had his knee surgery, and this was the beginning of the end. Uh, but this was a great Monday. It was a great game because the Eagles then were legit. They were confident, right? And like Reggie's the, one of the best linemen in the game. I don't know if Jerome Brown was dead yet. I don't know if he died later. Uh, but they had like who's Seymour? No, I said Clyde Simmons, right? I mean the Eagles, fucking you know, buddy. Like yeah, I said, future buddy, Bear, Clyde Simmons. And I don't know what that game looked like. I just know the Bears. It was a legit Monday night game, and it was a fun game. And I believe was that the Bears were four and zero after that game. Yeah. No, or, uh, yes. The Eagles were two and two. The Bears were four and zero. And one of those teams would make the playoffs. Dennis McKinnon year. caught a t- touchdown pass from Mike Tomczak again. Suey caught yeah. one from Tomczak. Way, way too much Tomczak in these things. Uh, Kevin Butler missed the extra point. Actually, the Bears kicked their ass. Yes. Neil Anderson had a touchdown run in the third. RoboCop caught a 36-yard touchdown pass from Tomczak. 30, yeah. 27-13. Mike Tomczak. Yo, Mike Tomczak. Mike Tomczak. Hey, if, if only Mike Tomczak's NFL career consisted of opening Monday night games, he'd be a Hall of Famer. Because yeah. uh, I'm sorry, this was not an opening night game, so scratch that. But well, no. damn, the first Monday night, right? We should always have think, played the Bears' first Monday night game every season. Even I think still. we, I, th- I think we established that Mike Tomczak's single greatest NFL game was the lid lifter at '87 against a very good Giants team. Well, how about this even one? Though, 24 yeah. of 38, 266, and three yeah. touchdowns. That's what I'm saying. Right. Even better. Like Randall, to, remember, I yeah. said, didn't we say Randall threw 54 passes in the fog? Oh, my. Yeah. That I'm looking How at about this now. game? Yeah. 32 of 62 for 401 yards and four interceptions. He threw, uh, he threw 100. I got to do math here. What's that? 116 passes in two games and threw seven interceptions. Yes. Maybe run the ball. Yeah. Yes. Randall only ran five times for 41. Should have loaded him. Should have run 40 times. Yeah. He should have run 62 yeah. times. They'd have won. Yeah. Uh, Mike Tomczak, the the, the, Kirk, the anti-Kirk Cousins, he only does well in prime yes, time. Right. And the lights were on. Tzak was ready to roll. Crazy. So, yeah, we all know how the, how it went for the 89 Bears. Uh, 4-0. They finished the season, what, 6-10. and 10. Eagles would go to the playoffs again. Buddy loses again. Uh, they you know they they won another one. They didn't st- they that the whole thing didn't happen until. Uh, oh, I know wasn't that because famous quote in Washington. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, we've established that. Well, I think we won another be... game, and he was right. They didn't. I think we've etched that into the. We should have, if not, you know, because it was so it was so foreign in '89. Because at that point, we were so used to like dominant, and we'd never had it before. You know, '84, '83, '84. All of a sudden, this team that. Goes to the playoffs five years in a row. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in retrospect, they underwhelmed, but uh, we were just so accustomed to this. You know, we developed that swagger, and then they go four and zero in '89. All of a sudden, 
that's what you know at some point the wheels jumped and no nobody would accept it. so when Ditka said I don't think we can win another game this year we're just like hey he's typical hyperbole Ditka he said it with like five games to go and they lost the last five games now in they faced each other again in 93 at the vet and this was a quarterback matchup that honestly I don't I'm sure this they took this game film and it probably plays on a loop at Canton Jim Harbaugh and Bubby Brister <laughs> Well, I'm sorry. I threw up my arms because I instinctively, when I when I filed through the Rolodex in my head of Bears Eagles '93, I can only think of Wendell Davis. Oh God, that's right. This yeah, is the Wendell so Davis. The Bears, uh, the Bears left town after this game, and Wendell's kneecaps remained stuck to the Veterans Stadium turf. One of the most horrific injuries of all time. So he had a pass over the middle. It was a little high from Jim. Wendell went to jump for it. Somehow his feet both got stuck on the awful turf. He dislocated both kneecaps. And when the trainers went to check on him, they found his kneecaps up under his thighs. And they had to go uh, move those back down for him. Thus endeth the career of 1988 first-round draft pick out of LSU, Wendell Davis. Wendell Davis. First-round pick along with Brad Moss. Let's see, did Wendell have a first how did he do? Oh, did he hang out of the ball at least on that one? He three for thirty-eight. I don't know if he caught that. I don't. I'm pretty sure he didn't catch that one. I'd like to think he did. I always like Wendell Davis. Uh, the leading Wendell rusher Davis for the Bears won. that day, Ironhead Hayward. Big free agent signing. This is Dave Wanstad's first yes. year, ninety-three. Thirteen yeah. for forty-two. Harbaugh seven for thirty-five, and Neil Anderson ran twenty times for twenty-four yards. And Neil's like, I think I might be about ready to quit. Neil was pretty much done by 93. So He averaged yeah. 1.2 yards a carry. Is that good? That doesn't yeah. seem good. Thanks oh, for the memories, Neil. leading rusher for the Eagles. Can you guess who this was? Uh, oh. 93? 93. No, go you ahead. I don't remember he ever played for him. Herschel Walker. Wow. I did not remember Herschel oh, so, played so for So 93, that means... Let's see. There's some, what, 29-year-old kids in... Uh, Philadelphia area, Philadelphia, yeah. Philadelphia area. Someone hanging out the in King of Prussia, the maybe. clinic, um, Pittsburgh. Area. Yeah. Bears won seventeen six. They went. They were at three and two. Wani, the Wani mania was taking hold. Yeah, there was. Yeah, we're like, back oh, on. We're we back on track. We were so excited. He was. We got the best coach on the market. Now we're three and two. Nothing can stop us. A year later, they faced again, again in Philly. And this time, um, a Monday night game, I think, early in the season, and uh, the Bears would make the playoffs in '94, uh, but not win that game. I right? little better quarterback matchup this time. Eric yeah. Kramer and Randall Cunningham. Oh, very nice. Yeah, good for the uh, national audience. I'm pretty sure it was a Monday night game. Let's see. They combined to throw six touchdown passes. Randall threw five. No, uh, they both threw three. Kramer, 18 of 31 for 289, three touchdowns and a pick, including an 85-yard touchdown pass to Curtis Conway. I like that the Eagles had a 30 to nothing lead at the yeah. end of three quarter, and the Bears outscored him 22 to nothing in the fourth quarter and lost. 22-yard touchdown pass to Conway from Kramer. Butler kick, 85-yard yeah. touchdown pass from Conway or from Kramer to Conway. Conway caught the two-point conversion pass, and then Marv Cook. Big old number eighty something tight end. Tight end. 
16-yard pass from Eric Kramer. Made it 22 no 30. There's no about cap. Post, 335 to go. I'm sure oh, there was a lot of time left. Yeah. And we and we had the two-point conversion there. So, uh, yeah. so Randall had a little better day. 24 of 36, 311, and three touchdowns. Yeah. So couldn't handle, a lot the, of couldn't handle the Vince Tobin defense, but he could handle the Wani one. Bears leading rusher. They didn't do a lot uh, of Let me guess. Lewis Tillman, Lewis 94, Tillman. right? Oh, yeah. both there. And and the second leading rusher, Merrill Hodge. Uh, ultra back. Oh, Merrill Hodge. Hodge. Two for 15. The, the off concussed. Bears Merrill ran Hodge. the ball. Was Matt Nagy? Was he guest coaching? <laughs> John Shoup. Bears oh, ran no, the ball they 11 times for oh, 37 yards. Right. One of those was a Kramer scramble for zero yards. But they only had 31 completion at pass attempts, too, so... We're running a lot of offensive plays. It's not like totally yeah, a lot of plays. Herschel led the Eagles in rushing again, 19 for 72. So Herschel, the Bears played Herschel Walker Philadelphia Eagle two times, the year before and this year. Wow. They play in the next year? By the way, uh, I was at the game the next year, unless you're done, unless you're still... Oh, unless I'm done. you're no, I'm... So the game the next year, no, it was in 93 was the Wendell Davis game. I will refer to the 1994... 1995 game, in which I was in attendance, the Alonzo Spellman contract game. Oh. Yeah. Because Alonzo Spellman was in his fourth season. The Bears under Wanstead were still fighting. Oh, yeah, in fact, in, yeah, in 94, they made the playoffs in Wanstead's second season, as we know. In 95, they had the same record, 9-7. and seven. They didn't make the playoffs. So they had a number of games that, you know, they could go over that season, the game in Cincinnati late in the season that they shouldn't have lost, but a handful of games. Regardless, they had a chance to go to the playoffs. We didn't know when we were at this game, right? Like, like this is a game where we're alive when this game is going on. So there's, like, a lot to play for, right? And Spellman, who was an absolute underachiever in his four seasons but was an absolute fucking unit physically – you know, he was an, he was just a specimen, and uh, you know, obviously a bit of a head case as it would years after his playing career. So this was not this wasn't the day that he uh, he was shirtless in the snowstorm. No, running, that was away from that was in 1998. Court. I was in Mesa, Arizona, that happened, watching on Channel Nine back in Chicago. Um, no, that was after his career, like I said. But what happened was he sacked was Rodney Pete, right? That was because the Randall's gone now. They got yeah. Rodney Pete. I think he sacked Pete three times. He just had a he was like he was like Jefferson uh, for Ridgemont High in this game. Alonzo Spellman, even though he had been frankly a dog up until this game, and I always felt like uh, the Bears won the game. Very rewarding. Then they still missed the playoffs yeah. because the combination didn't work. And then the next year would be one stats famous. The pieces are in place, you know, because they're only a year removed from the playoffs. And even though they missed the playoffs, they had the same record. And we got the playoffs too early. And uh, now we signed Brian Cox. And then we signed Alonzo Spellman. And I always say that what Spellman showed them in this game, you know, you always refer to somebody having a contract season. Alonzo just had to show up for this game. And uh, and he did. And he got paid. And uh, it was a mistake. So Mark Hatley standing there at the tunnel with a contract yeah the bears uh, director of play right, we don't have, uh, it, don't have a general manager because why would you need yeah. one of those uh, yeah so anyway i glad i got that on the record uh, how about this who's the leading rusher for the bears that day in 95 rashawn salam 30 for 122 yeah he got a thousand yards that year he kept fumbling but 
Well, I, the reason I wondered it, I, I saw the line score first. The Eagles scored in the fourth quarter on a Jerome Henderson zero-yard fumble return. I thought, oh, must, Rashawn must have fumbled in the end zone. That'd be... Wow. Wow. And he probably what did. It, what do you give him the ball down there at the goal line, Ron Turner? How about this? For the Philadelphia Eagles, they had a receiver who caught one pass for 36 yards. That receiver was Art Monk. Wow. Oh, you've ever played for that for the Eagles. I didn't either. Herschel Walker, Art Monk, so so many surprises when we pull up the uh, Eagles history. He caught six passes for 114 yards for the 95 Eagles. He had he had played uh he Holy only played shit. he only played in three games. That's awesome though. But in 95, he played a full season for the Jets and caught um 46 passes for 581 yards. Three Son of a bitch. I had no idea Art Monk was such a – that I knew he was a, he was a great goddamn receiver uh, in an era that was still developing um, passing-wise. But, man, I didn't know he, he was playing that late. It's awesome. And the Bears took a little break from the Eagles. They wouldn't play again until 1999. Can't recall. Oh, I do – no. Yeah, Donovan McNabb was McNabb was a rookie. This is first year Andy Reid coach. Uh, first year nope, coach Andy Andy Reid. Not this game. This game, a 99. Super Bowl winning coach was their quarterback. But McNabb came in. Doug Peterson is the guy you're talking about, no, right? Torrance Small was the only other guy to play quarterback in that game. Damn, no, no Donovan McNabb. Doug Peterson. But McNabb was 22 of 38, 228, two touchdowns. Here's Against, the thing: who was playing for the Bears? McNabb, Cade McNabb. And, and so here's the thing. This is the draft, 1999. It was McNabb was probably the best quarterback. It's almost it's the inverse of the 83 draft. Tim Couch was the first guy taken. I think Akili Smith was taken. The Bears took McNow and the Eagles took um, McNabb. And they were both like being experimented. But apparently, apparently McNabb did not come into this game. I thought I remember that he did. But Gary Crowden and uh, and uh, Dick Duran were bringing McNown in, but I think Shane Matthews was the primary quarterback, right? No, Matthews must have gotten hurt. Look at that. Okay, this like, is Kate. Not the whole game. Yeah, he went wire to wire. Yeah, he threw an eighty-yard right. touchdown pass to Marcus Robinson. Well, Robinson would catch anything thrown up in the air. He had an incredible year in '99. So this is another like. Both teams are at a low point, but then the, the I think the Eagles quickly got there. This is Andy Reid's, I think, first season. And uh, and once again, that would spark another golden era for them. They may have made the playoffs this year or the next year, which would start their string, and then the Bears. At least we were um, rid of Dave Wanstead. So I always say Dick Geron didn't quite, like, you know, just turn things. He, he at least stopped the bleeding is what he did. So I don't necessarily think too negatively on the Geron era, but – a little more competitive, um, but yeah, I, I remember that. I remember them squaring off and thinking that we had McNabb and they had McNabb. So they played again a year later, and you finally got your McNabb McNabb matchup. And you'll probably be pleased to know that McNabb got knocked out of this game, and somebody tackled him and separated his shoulder. I think. Yeah, it was what's his name, the linebacker that was always yapping. Um, Hugh, Hugh Douglas. Uh, Hugh Douglas. I, yeah, he also hit, knocked Jim. I think he, he knocked Jim Miller out of the playoff game in 01. He did. He may have also knocked McNown out of this game. The 2000. Actually, I don't know if I remember that or not. I know he knocked uh, Miller out. I think he. I think he also hurt McNabb because I remember th- liking him after that. Um, uh-huh. The 2000 Bears not were not playoff bound in this game. They were they were one and six coming in, 
mm-hmm. against the uh, four and three Eagles, and they lost uh, thirteen to nine. Another barn burner. Three Paul Edinger fourth quarter field goals were not enough. Rookie Paul Edinger. Jim Miller, 14 of 34, 128, and an interception. Cade McNown, 6 of 9, 49 yards. Oh, if he'd have stayed in, they'd have won. Donovan McNabb, yeah. 22 of 35, 207, a touchdown. And yeah, McNabb was taken off. He ran five times for 25 yards. But Darnell so, Autry, former Bear? Uh, former Bear. Yeah. Uh, at this point, future. No, former Bear, probably. Yeah, he started with the Bears, point. right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Or maybe How about not. this career? Darnell Autry played for the Bears in 97, and he played for the Eagles in 2000, and he didn't play for anybody in between. Wow. He led the Eagles with 37 yards rushing on 14 attempts. Coy Detmer uh, ran one for eight. I suppose that was a uh, muffed field goal. I think maybe the the holder was running. One for eight for Coy. He didn't throw a pass. And he wouldn't have been wow. the, it wouldn't have been in to take the knee at the end unless they were getting really cocky. They were up four. Bears can't beat us now. Right, right, right. right. We could right. leave them alone in the stadium. They couldn't score a touchdown. It was pretty bad. Yeah, it was like um, that. the Jaron era I just referenced was kind of dipping at this point, and he could have lost his job after that year and would have, but for the miracle 2001 season the next year. I don't year. know how they I don't know how they'd score more points. Listen to the receivers the Bears had. Macy Brooks, Eddie Kennison, Kasim Senseno, Marcus Robinson, Marty Booker, and James Allen. That's a that's a bunch yeah. of Pro Bowlers there. I, I was uh, I was high on Macy Brooks. Got to be honest. <laughs> so yeah, they play in in two in uh, two thousand two in the playoffs. I was at that game. That's the last uh, game in the shithole of the old Soldier Field. Uh, it was frustrating. I always, I always think of this game as the like McNabb up until that point was such a dual threat. You know, not like, not like uh, Justin Fields, but uh, he was emerging. And you know, like this was a game that was actually huge for his career. And the Bears' strategy was make that motherfucker throw you, you know, beat you with his arm. And you know what? He fucking did. I remember at that game, it was like they couldn't quite pressure him, but he didn't like tuck and run and he would so he's holding the ball and they pressure him a little bit but he wouldn't run he'd hang in there and then he'd throw it and then he'd complete it like fuck I didn't think he could do that you know so like good on McNabb he sort of you know uh sort of I should point out too it's the third time the Bears and the and the Eagles now have played the playoffs in the modern era it's kind of unusual because we referenced my seven-year-old heart getting broken in 79 some validation in the fog bowl in 88 and then this kicked in the nuts again in person. And it was a frustrating game. The Bears' only two scores were Ahmad Merritt on an end-around, and uh, our guy Jerry Azuma ran back a, uh, a McNabb pass for a touchdown. So the Bears were, like, technically in the game till the end. But uh, I just remember Philly just punched him in the face. And, like, when Hugh Douglas knocked Miller out, and I think he did knock McNown out in the regular season game the year before, uh, I remember like people complaining about it. I'm like, you don't want to be the team that's complaining about that. Don't let it happen. <laughs> you know, the Bears weren't ready. That was a that was a star-crossed team, much like the '98 Cubs. They were a lot of fun. They were not that good, even though they had home field because of their star-crossed season. And it was Philadelphia's destiny. They would go to the title game for the first time in like four straight seasons. 
we're finally breaking through that year, but um, the score is a lot closer than it indicate. So the game ends weird. The game ends, the final play of the game was a Sean Landetta safety. And it just says he stepped out of the end zone. So it's like, did they take a safety on purpose because they were worried that the Bears were going to score 16 points in the last second? (laughs) But when you look at the rushing stats, Sean Landetta, one carry for minus 20. So I would guess the snap flew over his head Uh, and he had to run in. Why are they punting on the final play of the game? Well, I, I think we could bring things full circle here, Andy, because even though I was at that game, I had forgotten that Sean Landetta was still in the league and in that game. Uh, as a youth, I saw Sean Landetta with the iconic whiff, and you and I sort of discovered Sean Landetta was a pretty well-regarded punter in spite of that whiff. And when he came back to Soldier Field in 87, he was, like, messed up. and Like, he was a really good punter. And the, the 87 game, which we kind of broke down, like he was not punting well at all. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of leaning into this sort of notion of Sean Landetta, Soldier Field, um, just just fucking with him. It's amazing. I I would not have remembered that Sean he Landetta was for 20 uh, seasons. He played with Ooh. the Giants through that 93 season. Must have got cut. Rams picked him up. He finished the season with so him. So he won two Super Bowls. Um well, no, because he. Oh, yeah, two with the Giants. Yeah, Giants. Then he was two years with the Rams. Actually, four because he moved to St. Louis. Then a year with Tampa. A year with Green Bay. Four with the Eagles. Two more. Went back to St. Louis. Loved it so much, and then finished with Philadelphia. Wow, wow, yeah. Well, if you're a punter, he was a great. Obviously, you had to be a good punter. That's not like a place kicker. You don't see punters last. He's like no more kick, Buford. Kick. So, yeah. So that was fun. What more a frustrating uh, playoff game that one or the one against the uh, Panthers where nobody could catch Steve Smith? Uh, I would say this one because at least that I don't know. I don't know. When I think that one. I think the Steve Smith game. Uh, they felt we felt like they were going to beat the Panthers and they didn't. Well, yeah, you're right. Even though we had home field, I don't. It was false bravado to think the the Bears were like I said, star-crossed. They were. Playing, they were uh, playing outside of their proje- projection, frankly. So it's fun season, and the Eagles made sure it ended. Two thousand four. Here's a matchup for you: the uh, the one and two Bears against the three and zero Eagles, and playing quarterback for the Bears that day is Jonathan Quinn. Oh no! I don't like to talk about the Jonathan Quinn or the. Who's the other Todd Collins? Yeah. There's so so Jonathan Quinn though to me is the worst because he just mechanically looks so bad. I'm like, how did you survive this long? He was a backup in Jacksonville before he joined the Bears, and uh, it just numbers mechanics just like look at his eyes. Like how did they, how did you make it this far? And, yeah, well he yeah he played for Jacksonville. He played for Berlin in the in the World League. Okay. And he played two years for the uh, Chiefs, right? Isn't that how he, he came over with... Uh, yes, uh, Terry Shea. Terry Shea. Yeah. Oh, you're going to love this guy. He played one game for us in two years That's with right. the Chiefs and never threw a pass. Right. He's your Terry guy. Shea, the first year offensive coordinator in the Lovey regime. Lovey was wise enough to can his ass. 
after Quinn, one Quinn season. Quinn threw 43 passes in this game. Oh. Sacked four times. He was 26-43, 215, and a touchdown. That's got to all be career highs. Uh, who do you Mikey. Throw the, who do you throw the touchdown pass to? Um, Brian Johnson, of course. Nope. B-R-Y-A-N Johnson, anything? No. Not a fan of Brian. Donovan McNabb threw a touchdown pass to someone you probably have heard of, uh, Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens and Brian oh! Johnson caught the only touchdown Wait, passes. What year? Is this 2004 that Four. you yep. the game? So that was the one year that McNabb finally got them over the hump to the Super Bowl. Yep. And then he in a shitty and, bears. Then he barfed in the huddle. Yes. <laughs> Way to go, Dad. Oh, you remember, remember how just remember just how running, methodical running and, the and slowest the right, slowest just, two minute drill of all time and barfing incredible. in the huddle. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <Good> <laughs> well, the Bears gave him a nice challenge that year. At least they were not that good. It was yeah, lovely. Nineteen to nine. Yeah. Very exciting. Yep. 2007. Yep. I was at this game, and I just somebody reminded me it was a Sunday night game, and the Bears had no business winning, but they did. And even that's the year after the Super Bowl, the Bears would maybe look good again, but then not. But uh, I just remember they had a goal line stand at the end of the game. That's all I can tell you. Uh, that because the Bears, well, Andy Reid decided to no, not go not a goal line the stand. They had a, a two oh. minute. This you remember, this game is famous. This is Brian Greasy playing quarterback yes. for the Bears, and his headset went out. And on the two minute drill, he called all the plays, and the Bears for the first time all game roared down the field. He threw a touchdown pass to Musi Muhammad with nine seconds to go. Uh. And he and then in interviews afterwards, he talked about how the headset went out. And the next day, the Bears made him say that the headset worked. I remember and that. And that he didn't call his own Holy plays. Shit, right. <laughs> So what happened is the Bears made a goal line stand when the arrogant Andy Reid led Eagles were just going to put the game away. They had a four point lead, sixteen oh, okay. to twelve. So it's sixteen to twelve, and the Bears defense stopped them right because that last drive had to have been, I think it was like ninety nine yards. I think I, I I need to look that up now. Uh, that's the memory. Says so, yeah, it was not an end of the game goal line stand. I just remember there being a. I found it. It is. No, I don't have it right. Do I? Yeah, they still started their own three, except it was after a punt. So never mind. Yep. So well, some Mandela effect going on. No, not even close. Yeah. I know I was at that game though because it was Sunday night, right? Started night at least. Well, do you do you enjoy t- driving to Philly? No, that's not it. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I'll shut up for a minute. <laughs> well, a road How trip. Sunday night game I was at. I think this was a this was a Sunday night game or the night game. I remember because I can picture it. And it was just one of those games where you know you were just the Bears were just going to lose, and then all of a sudden they come roaring ass down the field, and you're like, "I got oh, it. Shit. it." My apologies, I jumped the gun. Uh, it was the next game, so you're right. Like that game in '07 was where Brian Greasy got called out in the carpet, and uh, that's okay. Let's see the last. Let's, let's check out the two minute drill here. So yeah, uh, Severio Roca punts uh, the Bears to the, into to their three with a minute fifty-two to go. Bears are on their three-yard line. Vet fans are all excited, and then this is what happened. Right, Gracie, eleven yards to Des Clark, incomplete to the original Adrian Peterson. Complete for <laughs> nine yards to Adrian Peterson. 
Nine yards to Devin Hester. Yep. Uh, incomplete for the Moose. They, they were paying Devin like a receiver, so, with a, so they had to with use a minute, With a minute three, they're, at the, they're still at their own 32. Things are not progressing real fast. Right. Um, but then, uh, defensive holding. Wait a minute. Holy shit. Oh, offsetting penalties. Passing complete for Peterson. There was a penalty. Lito Shepard got called for defensive holding. Reuben Brown got called for offensive holding. Um, so that nullified that. Okay. And then a pass to Des Clark for seven yards. Then finally, let's let's move the ball. We're on the 39. 25 yards to Bernard Barrian. Then Greasy spikes finally. the ball with 31 seconds to go. Then a, it says a short pass to Devin for 21 yards. Now they're down to the uh, 15. Greasy spikes the ball with 29 seconds to go. Oh, I guess with 15 seconds to go. Greasy completes pass to Moose for 15 yards and a touchdown. Robbie Gold makes the extra point, and the Bears win. With nine seconds to go. Hit a boy, Brian. Yeah, I found it. The, the, the next game is the game I was at. It was, and it also was. So they're both Sunday night games? I mean, apparently ESPN couldn't get enough of uh, Bears-Eagles. Who could? But... Um, yeah, it was Sunday night. Yeah, this one's in Chicago, so you got a better chance to yeah. get at this one. Right, so the game ends on this one, and they had to go for it. So it wasn't Andy Reid being arrogant. That was unfair. Sorry, Andy, to malign you and have my facts wrong. But if you go to the play-by-play on this one, it wasn't the end of the game, but it was a goal-line stand. Philadelphia's last drive. Uh, the infamous Quarrel Buckhalter could not uh, punch it in on fourth and one with three minutes and 40 seconds. So the, you know, the Bears still needed to. Get a few first downs to end the game, but uh, that's how that's how that one ended in 2008. Yeah, they had first and goal at the four. Buckhalter for three. Tony Hunt for no gain. Buckhalter for no gain. And then Alex Brown tackled Buckhalter for no gain to end Big the game. To the Bears then with the ball on the one. Uh, two-yard rush by Matt Forte. And then how about this for Lovey? He let Kyle Orton throw a pass. Des Clark for four yards to get out of the shadow of their end zone. But they, boy. they got a first down on the next play. Matt Forte, 10 yards. And that basically that didn't salt it. We still ended up having a punt. But the uh, Eagles had the ball matter. with 17 seconds to go on their own 39. Yeah, unexpected victory. Because even though it was only two years from the Super Bowl, we were already kind of like, you know, had re- recalibrated our expectations. So, nice, pleasant surprise to win that night. 2009 at Soldier's Field. This is no Jay Cutler against Donovan uh-huh. McNabb and Michael Vick. Oh! He threw one pass and he ran once for 34 yards. Uh, the Eagles won 24 to 20. Uh, yeah, I got nothing. LaShawn McCoy touched down 10 yard run in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Bears are retooling with Cutler. They'll be back the next year. Jay threw 43 times for 171 yards. He threw a lot. Seems like a lot for a little. 2010. Got to play again. This time. And Michael Vick was the quarterback in 2010. This was the Bears playoff team. And I want to say this was a three o'clock start. So it was like a, region, like a nationally televised Sunday afternoon game. And Vic had served as penance, and the Eagles, the both teams were good, right? Let me, let me pull this game up. Yeah, the Bears were um, seven and th- both were seven and three coming in the game. 
and both would go to the playoffs. And some people forget that Michael Vick did have a second act with Philadelphia, and this was the one season. Um, I don't remember anything about the game. I just remember looking forward to it, being very excited. It was cold as fuck, if I'm not mistaken, even though it was only late November. And um, apparently it was a pretty interesting game. There's a 31-13 lead in the fourth quarter. And ah, won 31-26. Okay. Let's see. Vic, 29-44 for 333 and two touchdowns and 44 yards on the ground. Jay, 14-21, 247, four touchdown passes, no interceptions. Damn. Damn. Touchdown yeah, passes to passwords. Earl Bennett, Johnny Knox, Earl Bennett, and Greg Olson. Yeah. The Bears were picking up some steam at that point. I remember it being a very sort of a fun point of the season. And because it was a good challenge, because Philadelphia is good. And, you know, we talked about it before with Michael Vick, because Erlach are still on this team, that Michael Vick, uh, regardless of like what you think about him or like whether or not he, you know, did enough time or whatever, he was a great, unique player that had some real high success. He shoved it up Green Bay's ass in the playoff game uh, when he was really young. He never did anything to the Bears. In fact, I always sort of attribute like Brian, a lot of Brian Erlacher making himself Hall of Famers constantly kicking the shit out of Michael Vick. Yeah. I don't think anybody sort of could say that like that. Like that's like where it always diverged. Vick hardly ever did anything against the Bears. And it seemed like the Bears always put him in his place. And not a lot of teams seem to always be able to do that. Michael so, Vick was the first road quarterback to ever win a playoff game at Lambeau Field. That's right. And, and that was like early in his career too. I was like he was only like 23, 24 then. He was a, you know, when we watch Justin Fields now, I mean, it's similar. Vic was very much like that because he, he see, Fields doesn't strike me as freakishly huge, but he is. Vic seems freakishly huge. And so when he was on the run, I was like, Jesus, what is this guy? Yeah, and uh, I would say Justin is significantly bigger than Mike Vic. I know, but it, it doesn't look like it. Well, but that's my own problem. Greenberg talks about that on this podcast. It's the baby face. He's yeah, but I, I don't. I don't see his baby face when he's got a helmet on. And I'm Justin Fields the game. is three inches taller and twenty five pounds heavier than Mike no. Vick was listed. I believe it. There's... I'm not doubt. I'm just. I'm not even seeing my perception is spot on. It's I think just, part of it, Vick yeah. was left handed, and that just looks cool. Yeah, like there was like a lot that was just. Really, and he can throw like, the ball like ninety yards dude. in the air with a it, flick of his wrist. Oh fucking a! It was an incredible college player. So, yeah, I, you know, this is old man Michael Vick. Now he's like 32, 33, but he's all of a sudden find himself with an opportunity in the post-McNabb era to take another Eagles team to the playoffs, which I think he did. But once again, Brian Erlacher and the Bears put him in his place. So They played again the next year. Against it, again, it was well, Jay against Vick. Oh, and, uh, I don't remember that. What's this the time, date on the that? Bears rallied. Uh, they scored 10 points in the fourth quarter. Earl Bennett, touchdown pass from Jay, yeah. and a Robbie Gold field goal, and they beat the Eagles 30-24. to I have no recollection of that one, even though these are still good Bears teams that kept stubbing their toe when they had a chance to make the playoffs. That was Pete Cutler, too. I mean, that game, 2011, that's November. That might have been the week before he got hurt against San Diego in the season. When he was on an MVP tra- trajectory, I swear, at that point in that season, so... Uh, the next oh, time they played, not I so remember good. this game. I remember this game. So, you know, Mark Trestman almost took the Bears to the playoffs. 
but you'll remember that like somehow even after like the kicking the field goal on second down in November in, in Minnesota, yeah. like they, they won like games they were supposed to win in early December. One was in Cleveland. And then it was like they were at a point where, well, it doesn't matter what you do these next two weeks because it's going to come down to the – it just worked out that way. Yeah. The Bears had two weeks where, A, you could maybe establish some divisional supremacy, plant a seed, you know, and start embarking on a playoff domination or just gear up for that Green Bay game, which you would eventually lose anyway at the end. And so it didn't matter what would – even though these are two really good teams, the Eagles were good that, that – it was a, and it was a Sunday night game, another Sunday night game. Love the Eagles and Bears Sunday night. Uh, the Bears did not have to win that game, and they fucking they played like it. Looked like it. Yeah, this was yeah. So. This was week six or week fifteen, I guess. Bears are eight and six going in. So are the Eagles. The Eagles had more incentive. I, I mean, I'm assuming because they were fighting for a legit playoff spot. Bears were in a watered down division, and the Packers were getting healthy because Rodgers was just getting healthy. So everybody yeah. remembers the back to back fifty point drubbings. The Bears allowed 50 points in back-to-back games with a buy in between in Trestman's second season. But do you remember that they gave up 54 points to the Eagles in the second-to-last game of his first season, the good season? 54 to 11. Yep. Oh, thank God they went for two. Yep. yep. Actually, they didn't. Um, no, wait. They had the safety. I don't even know. It was twenty-one nothing quarter. in the first. Yeah, quarter. they went for two. It was uh, thirty-three to eleven, and you got to get that to thirty-three thirteen. But the uh, no, they got it. It was thirty-three to nine, and you needed to get it to twenty-two points somehow. So he did. Went for two. Brandon Marshall caught a six-yard touchdown pass from Jay, and then Jay threw a two-pointer to Earl Bennett. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was wrong. I think it was just a one game. Somehow in my, in my head, I had convinced myself that uh, somehow the Bears had the luxury of a two-week that doesn't matter. It's just the one, and that was the one. And down, yeah, to, down to, forty to eleven in the fourth quarter. Within in a minute and a half, these two things happened. Brandon Boykin returned an interception, fifty-four yards, and then Bryce Brown had a sixty-five-yard run for the Eagles. So no, no, Fun all initially. All on national TV. Well, hey, even in the Ditka era, you know, when they were winning divisions, they would get humiliated on Monday nights against the 49ers and such. So, you know, who the quarterback for the Eagles was in this game in 2013. No, who Nick Foles. Oh, wow, 21 wow. to 25 for 230 and two touchdowns. And that's all that's, this was the year he had the ridiculous, like, um, well, that's his first go around with, with 2013. Right? Yeah, he threw 27 touchdowns to two interceptions. This is the um, um, Chip Kelly Eagles. Yep. God, I can't believe it's that long ago. It seems like yesterday that Chip Kelly was swashbuckling his way from the college arena. And they, you know, they were good that year, but then he, he flamed out. That was, it must have been his first year, too. He must have been one of the candidates for the Bears around the time that Bruce Arians, maybe it wasn't his first year. Maybe it was his second year. But, the, you know, it was Trustman's first year, and then it was, you know, Bruce Arians was the consolation prize for Arizona. Uh, no, it was his first year, too. A lot of offensive coaches out there. Yeah. The 2013 season. So. 
2016, the Eagles came in early in the season. Whatever. John Fox here. I black out. I got and nothing. They won 29-14. Still have Jay racking up numbers. And Brian Hoyer. They both played in this one. Carson Ooh. Wentz. Ooh. for the Eagles. Third yeah. touchdown pass. We're butting up on the contemporary era here. Connor Barth was okay. kicking for the Bears. Eddie Royal has a 65-yard touchdown return. Future Bear Trey Burton caught a two-yard touchdown pass from Carson Wentz. Great stuff. Of course you did. Yeah. Then 2017, Bears went to Another Philly. Another John Fox team. And they no got 31 to three. The Eagles, the Bears were three and seven. No, the, yeah, three and seven. The Eagles wow. were nine and one. Kind of like yeah, this was like e- what's going to happen on Sunday. This was an Eagles team that actually would win their first NFL championship in how many seasons, folks? Since 1960, we're going 1917, so 57 years. So uh, nice of the Bears to participate in that historical procession. Uh, of Philadelphia How about on their this? way to their first ever Super Bowl championship. Who scored the Bears' only three points of the game? It's not Connor Barth? No, this is a year is it later. Ky- was it Cairo? Yes, it's Cairo Santos. Oh. Uh, first the one game around. he was actually healthy for that year. He got hurt, and they had to get another kicker. Yeah. Game. Like he he replaced like, he replaced some slappy, and then he pulled his hammy, and they had to get rid of yeah. him, and then yeah. So just like Nick Foles like torched the Bears and then left and then came back to Philadelphia before coming to the Bears, like Cairo scored three points. Well, it, Eagles it really, I mean, the injury caused a uh, whole uh, set of dominoes to fall. If Cairo stays healthy through the season, then um, in 2018, Cairo is the Bears kicker. Instead, because he got hurt and they kept going through kickers, they went out and they signed the great Cody Parkey. Segway. And so I go a year later. From 2017 to playoff game. Actually, you go two years later because it's January Not, of 2019. But oh, you're right. You're right. Go to the next season. The fourth playoff game in the modern era between the Bears and the Eagles. And there we are in beautiful Soldiers Field. The Bears with their high-powered offense. At least people thought it was. They scored a lot of points. Uh, what yeah. people figured out later was that a lot of that was uh, the defense either setting up touchdowns or scoring them themselves. And Cody Parkey would uh, get all the Bears' points in the first half. 36-yard field goal and 29-yard field goal. The Bears led 6-3 to three at halftime. And Cody's like, this is going to be my day. And the vaunted Vic Fangio defense was doing its job and keeping the great Nick Foles off the board for the first 90% of the game yes but then in the third quarter Dallas Godert got a 10 yard pass from Foles and now suddenly the Bears are down 10 to 6 and everybody's starting to poop themselves Parkey made another field goal to make it 10 to 9 and then they weren't back to back drives no yeah they were back to back drives well you do have to say this for Mitch like they he did engineer a go-ahead fourth-quarter drive and, and capped it off with that touchdown pass. It was a great to pass. The, the touchdown pass to Allen Robinson was a great pass, and the whole drive, yeah. Mitch was really good. And we're like, "Haha, we got this!" Right. So the Bears drive down the field, and um, they score with five 
No, they score 556 end of the quarter. So there's, what, nine-something left. 904 left. And the Bears are up 15-10 to 10 with the Fangio defense. They're like, no. got this one. Do we got to worry about this? Oh, sure. And I would guess the Eagles had the ball twice after that. Unless. But once again, the Bears. Yeah. This happened a couple of times in the season where the Bears had that very good defense, and all they needed was a stop late in a game, and the Bears win. And yep. I don't remember off the top of my head the other times they had failed, but they get to the playoffs, and they did it again. And this one ended up with, on a fourth down, Golden Tate caught a two-yard yep. pass from Nick Foles, and they went for two, and they didn't make it. So the Bears have the ball with 56 seconds to go, and they are down by a point. And Mitch got them into field goal range. And I seem to remember that they... They, so oh, he, but who did he miss? The last play they ran before the field goal, he had somebody wide-ass open in the end zone. Maybe. He, yeah, and that would be the story of the rest of his career. And we're like, it, no it, big deal. We're, we're in field goal range. Right. So oh, yeah. That would have been great it's if we got that touchdown pass, but Cody is going to make this. So yeah. Cody Parkey tries to kick a 43-yarder. Yes, let's put our faith in a grown man named Cody. Cody. And he kicks, and he makes it. Yeah. But he barely yeah. makes it. And it turns out yeah. that Doug Peterson, who had quarterbacked the Eagles against the Bears many years before, quarterbacked the Eagles against the Bears many years before, had called timeout right before the snap. Oh, he made the first one. He yeah. made it. Yeah, but he, he barely made it. And no. I know what happened on the second one. I know what he did. He thought, holy shit, I barely made it. And he kicked the second one lower. And I know that people have gone back and looked at the Zapruder film and said that he didn't get, but one of those fat ass Eagles got their fingertips on it. Yep. And oh. Cody hit the upright and then he hit the crossbar and yep. it Double fell. Doink. And the, but the best is the video of that is Staley is under the goalpost right. and he I just agree. passes out. He falls flat yeah. on his face and it's very hard. If felt. it wasn't so tragic, it's hilarious to it's see very hard collapse in the end zone. And that's the uh, double doink would enter the lexicon. Um, just to fill in the gaps, too, you're right, because in my memory I thought Mitch takes them down, and then the defense can't hold them, and then Mitch takes them down again. There was a drive in between because after Mitch had that touchdown to Allen Robinson, uh, Philadelphia did have a two-minute drive where they picked up one first down, about eight plays, and then the Bears did go four and out. I'm just going to say, you know, they got the ball 7-0-2 and the lead. At their own 26 boy, it would have been nice to ice that game, but they didn't. And then, but you know, after the defense then finally totally did let uh, the bear, you know, let the Eagles come down. Mitch did bring him down there. So Mitch for the game, yeah. 26 of 43 for 303 yards and a touchdown. That's got to be the only bear quarterback to ever throw 300 yards in the playoff game. By the way, I haven't looked that up, but I will. Sure it is. And now and looking back, it's it just has Nagy's fingerprints all over it. The Bears, oh. the Bears threw 43 passes, and they only attempted yeah. 15, 18 runs. And Jordan Howard was good Jordan Howard to... only carried the ball 10 times for 35 yards. Yeah. Taylor Gabriel yeah. had two end-arounds. Mitch had three scrambles. So, I mean, they, they ran the running, and then they get, they somehow got a carry for Benny Cunningham, Tariq is fine, Cohen, and Taco Mizell got a run. Jesus Christ. What is he doing? It's his first playoff game, and he's, like, breaking. 
but the most I mean he got the job in the first place because he was available to take the job because he was co- he was calling the plays the only year he was offensive coordinator for the right. Chiefs and the Chiefs blew a huge lead to Marcus right. Mariota in Alex Smith's last game with the Chiefs yep um which is what made him available. Right. And they didn't they ran the ball like eight times in the second half. Yes. They completely ignored what he was actually doing the day before he would become right. available. You would think he would be like because I mean Pace was I think had flown to Kansas City because he was gonna interview him the next day, so he's there watching the game. I would have been like, yeah. yeah, we don't need to stick around for the interview tomorrow. I mean right. this dumb shit. No. But instead he's like, Oh good, now he's available, we can hire him. Like, no, that's not how it works. Yeah. Think about why he's available, maybe. Yeah, that's um, that's it's very much in sharp relief when you see those numbers. Just the rushing carries. The other <sighs> thing that um, so the other thing that happened wow. in this game the was carries, the because number. the Bears lost. Vic was available to interview with the Broncos. Yep. If they had won, they'd be getting ready. They were going to go to play the Rams the next week. Right. He would have been busy. He wouldn't have been able to interview. And John Elway admitted when he when he hired Vic that Vic wasn't real high on their list. So they most likely would, if he hadn't been available, they most likely would have just hired somebody else yes. and not interviewed Vic. So Vic would have been around to still save the defense for the next couple of years from Nate. But that didn't happen. <sighs> Then it's how about a, the fact a, that they 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 um one of the guys on Vic's staff was with the Bears was uh Brandon Staley, who I think Vic technically really? made his defensive coordinator with the Broncos, but the Bears could have kept him. He could have been their defensive coordinator. So not even not even any self scouting going on in that building. Thanks. I feel a lot better. Thank you. But that's not the last time these teams played. Yeah, who cares? They played the year after that playoff game. They played in, yes, they played in 2019. And the Nagy Bears were struggling a little bit. And they went to Lincoln Financial Field. And they got beat 22-14. to This time Carson Wentz was playing quarterback. Mitch, not quite as good a game. 10 for 21 for 125 yards. And this time the Bears well, ran the ball 18 times again. But they didn't run very many plays because they didn't do shit. Right, 39 plays. And even Mitch's 10 for 21 is better than Mike Phipps's 13 for 30 in a goddamn playoff game. So we would be remiss if we didn't resume the uh, our uh, breakdown of Eagles coaches to wrap this up. Because oh, wait, did we, did we stop it, Buddy? Quit, we quit with Buddy, and we missed. You know who succeeded Buddy? Wait, let me guess. One of the greatest oh, coaches in, in Jets history. Yes, Richie Kotite. Who actually, which is funny because you're right, he is absolutely an emblem for New York Jets futility, or maybe not. They have so many. He took the Eagles to, he actually won a playoff game, which Buddy never did, did. with the Eagles. He was 36 so, and 28. And, and he seasons. also beat Jim Mora Sr. in the playoffs to do it. But yeah. Uh, somehow, somehow he flamed out after he was done with Philly goes to New York and then the media or whatever, like he became like a goof, but I'm like, Hey, uh, he won a playoff game. Ellie Sherman never won a playoff game. So do you remember who York. replaced Rich Kotite? 
What year we? Uh, yeah. Well, let me guess. So he was gone by '95 by the Alonzo Spellman game. Yep. Uh, is that Ray Rhodes? Ray Rhodes. No. Who won right. Coach of the Year in '95? Wow. Okay, the Bears beat him that year. But and... Rhodes' tenure at the Eagles with the Packers was after his first tenure at the Eagles. Okay. I like the challenge here because I couldn't. I, I don't think I could muster a guess. Yeah, he got, he got fired by the Eagles in '98, and he coached the Packers one and only season oh. in '99. But then Andy Reid came after right after yes. him. Then. then they got Andy Reid. Things picked up a little bit. And then did Doug Peterson come after Andy Reid? Uh, there were two coaches in between. Oh, Chip must have got fired with a game oh, Chip. Because oh, Pat, we Pat Sherman Chip was an was an interim. Yeah, Chip was 26 and 21 in parts of three seasons. Even even he had a winning record, and they got rid of him. So after not going to the playoffs forever, between um, Buddy took him three times, Kote took him mm-hmm. once, mm-hmm. Ray Rhodes took him twice, Andy Reid uh, coached nineteen playoff games there. He won ten of them. Wow! Wow! He played in three straight NFC Championship games. Four. He four. won one. Four, and they won. Because he lost, because I remember seeing McNabb, he was like, "Yeah, they, they lost three in a row." Chip Kelly took him to the playoffs and they lost. Oh wow! Doug Peterson took him to the obviously Doug won the Super Bowl with them, and Nick Sirianni took him to the playoffs last year. Every coach since, every coach including Buddy since Buddy, every coach since Fred Bruni, I guess, has okay. taken the Eagles to the playoffs. That's and they've yeah, one and, and two, with... three, four, five, six, seven coaches in a row. That's wow. relatively novel that is, for the NFL. That, that's uncanny. That's uncanny. Bears can't say that. And I will say, too, that that certainly illustrates that for the last uh, – now that they've won a Super Bowl as well, and they've been in one where they've lost, uh, that in the last 40 years the, the Eagles uh, have had a better, um, you know, tail of the tape over the Bears. However, that's not how it works. They go back to 1933. So if you go back to 1933, and even if you just – Isolate on Super Bowl errors. They've both won a Super Bowl, and the Eagles have been in three. But then you have to consider the Eagles were ass for, you know, they won two out of three championships. Part of that, the Bears won six. So uh, even with their recent success throughout the span of their history, this is yet another franchise that we can look down our noses on. But, you know, if the Bears don't get their shit straight soon, can't say it about the Eagles are basically one more Super Bowl appearance, which might happen this year. Yeah, if they, if they win it this year, yeah. I mean, again, they go back to thirty-three, so you have to look at the whole span. They have some making up to yeah. do historically. We've won ten NFL titles. Yeah, but in the last forty years, they pushed ahead of us. Although that wasn't the case a few years ago, because until they won one, they were every bit as woeful as all the other teams that we, you know, are surprised to see or is woeful as the Bears. So, you know, I'll be out there on Sunday, by the way, so I'm looking forward to seeing how Fields and Hurts. Yeah. The fields. Yeah. The Eagles have been around for 90 years, and they have won 23 playoff games. It's more than the Bears, I bet. Oh, we'll have to see. Awfully close. Awfully close, because the Bears, you remember, the Bears, Dallas won six championships, but only seven playoff oh, games. It's not close. And did go on ten or six. Bears have been games. around for 103 seasons. They've won 17. Yeah, yeah, That's bad. yeah. Bad. 
Bears happened to do a lot of their playoffs and back when there was only one playoff Oof. game. 17. Jesus. All-time leading passer. You know these, right? Because I know you've, if you know Harold Carmichael uh, is our all-time leading receiver. I've looked it up. Yeah, it's 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 McNabb who passed Jaworski, I believe. But right, yeah. Then Shady McCoy is our all-time leading rusher, only sixty-seven hundred yards. That's kind of sad. Carmichael eighty-nine hundred yards is not. I mean, it's very impressive for the Bears, but for real teams, that's not. And and maybe borderline ahead of his time when he retired, but he's been retired for forty-five years, so maybe not so much. Six seven. Six eight. <laughs> Was he that tall? Six eight. He's not a Hall of Famer, right? He is. No. He's not a Hall of Famer. He is. Oh, all right. Well. He was the nineteen eighty Walter Payton Man of the Year. Who knew they were giving out the Walter Payton Man of the Year during while Walter How was still playing? That? I have a feeling it was just called the Man of the Year yeah. at the time. But yeah. <laughs> he went to Southern that University. Been so like So what Walter, is Southern University? A, he went to he was it's a, a, a HBCU. Yep. HBCU, sorry. Uh Southern, okay, yeah, just Southern. That's not, where is that? Okay. That's yeah. Missoula, Montana. Se- seventh round pick out of the Eagles. Nineteen seventy one. Southern yeah, has at least I mean, two Hall of Famers. Because they're the player the player there with their all time highest um AV, whatever that stands, I forget what it's saying, but they're basically it's the the number that pro football yeah, reference the puts war. Out was Aeneas Williams. Oh, oh wow, so he's in the Hall of Fame. So there's at least. Uh, let's see, does it hold him? Oh, it does. Let's see, we got anybody else? Very nice. Oh, it doesn't. Where is yeah, Eric Car- the Hall of Famers in bold. I can't tell from this. Harold Carmichael only led the league in receptions once the same year that he led in yards, and it was uh, 1973. He was a Philly the whole time, but I'm not going to begrudge him. You know, how, how can I, a Bears fan, whose all-time leading receiver is Johnny Morris, begrudge Harold Carmichael being in the Hall of Fame with just 15 yards shy of uh, 9,000 yards receiving? That's Southern great. University is in Baton Rouge. Yeah, I figured it has to be in the South. You said Montana. I was the name of the university. Yes. Well, I mean, Northwestern isn't really Northwest. Well, that's true. It's actually East, if anything, of Chicago. Um, by the way, Harold Carmichael, the only time he finished an MVP voting, sixth in 1979. At the age of 30, even though he only had uh, 52 receptions for 872 yards, which would rank like respectively fourth. Yeah, why did he yeah. make the Hall of Fame? Because he's tall. Yeah, I mean, you know, he made uh, one, two, four Pro Bowls, and he was AP second team once. And that's it. And an MVP, he finished sixth. So okay, Philly, you gotta you gotta cheapy there. He was on the Hall of Fame All 1970s team. Well, he should have been probably right. Him and Swan and Drew Pearson and. Maybe it, that, maybe it was the two games he played for the Cowboys in nineteen eighty four that put him over the top. <laughs> I still can't believe Herschel Walker is playing for the Philadelphia Eagles as late as nineteen ninety four. It's all them sit ups he did. Yeah, and 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 the Bears and Eagles really did. They played a lot, like for being non divisional opponents. You know, we went over it. 
case you missed it. Like there are chunks of like four years in a row, like different areas where there's four years, Bears and Eagles playing again. Eagles have it's nine kind of, retired numbers. They're like the anti-Steelers, right? Because the Steelers only have the the weird two. Yeah. So the numbers. Two quarterbacks. Jaworski McNabb? McNabb and Steve Van Buren. Oh, of course. Van Buren was the quarterback in 48, 49, and 47 when they lost the Cardinals. But yeah, One running sense. back. Uh, is it? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, it's not Wilbur Montgomery. Isn't no. that? It's not, it's not Shady McCoy, is it? Who the hell is your running back? Is oh, no. Not guy? Running back. Sorry, sorry, sorry. He's a defensive back. No, I thought. I don't know why I said running back. Defensive back. Is it uh, uh, Andre Waters? No. Tall Famer, Brian Dawkins. Yes. I knew there was a guy. I couldn't think of his name. Um, so, what did this guy play? I don't even know. Another defensive back. Uh, better known uh, for once doing a Sun Bowl with Pat Summerall and uh, Burt Reynolds. Tom Brickshire is a Philadelphia. He's, he's an Eagle legend. No, yep. he must I have think been that's why that he got it. was from that broadcast. Like, we should retire Brookie's number. He was probably on that 60 uh, Eagles team, is my guess. Palmer Edward Retzlaff had his number. Okay. Ed Retzlaff. Okay. All right. Old number 44. He was, a, he, was, he was an ink man. And then, let's see. We got, are all these other guys going to be defensive? No. Yes. Four defensive players, one of whom I've never heard of. Big Ox, Al Wistert. But then sure. three, three guys you have heard of, and we talked about on this. We talked about all three of them on this. Concrete podcast. Charlie. Yes. But Narek, good old number 60. And then Reggie White. Reggie White, good old number 92. And did they, did they retire Jerome Brown's number after he Jerome died? Brown's number. Ah, uh, he was a good player. He died young. He's not a Hall of Famer. He played at Miami for Jimmy Johnson in the eighties. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was first and, team All Pro in his last two seasons. Oh man, that is a pretty tragic. He died at twenty six. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. You know what? That probably fucked Buddy Ryan's coaching success more than anything. What year did he die? I'm sorry. When did he die? When did Jerome Brown die? His last season was 91. Let's see, when did he die? Uh, so a little he bit. He died bad. June yeah, of they, 92. So before the yeah, before no, training yeah, camp. They hit, the window was closing. That had nothing to do with the window. And Reggie was gone, yeah. right? Oh, Reggie Lab, his first year in Green Bay was 93 because that was the first year of uh, green, uh, free agency. Okay. Remember? So Reggie was there the for, that, for that one season. He was for, for, for 92, which was Rich Kotite finally taking the Eagles to a playoff victory. But. Jerome Brown was already dead, is what you're saying? Yes. So they lost they lost Jerome Brown and Reggie White, basically both in, in 92. 90, you know, it's at in the end of the year, months. Yeah. Reggie went. That's true, because Reggie obviously was at I don't. Peak. I don't know. Reggie White's in the Hall of Fame. Do we think he deserved it? Well, Harold Carmichael's in. I mean, let's see what he did here. He was defensive rookie. He was second. He was runner for defensive rookie of the year. Didn't even win it. Subjective. Second year, he was first team All Pro and uh, went to the Pro Bowl. His third year, he was Defensive Player of the Year, first team All Pro, and went to the Pro Bowl. Uh, then he was uh, defensive second in Defensive Player of the Year voting, first team All Pro, went to the Pro Bowl. The next year, pff, fourth in Defensive Player of the Year voting. It's clearly falling off. Uh, first team All Pro oh, yeah. went to the Pro Bowl. Uh, in 1990, didn't even get a Defensive Player of the Year vote. He was just All Pro, went to the Pro Bowl. Uh, 91. Uh, third in Defensive Player of the Year, uh, All Pro and a Pro Bowl. Ninety-two, eighth Defensive Jesus Player Christ. of the Year, second year All, second team All Pro, went to the Pro Bowl. Then he went to Green Bay, second in Defensive Player of the Year voting, second team All Pro, 
Pro Bowl. Then eighth, not... second team All Pro and a Pro Bowl. Then third defensive player of the year voting, first team All Pro and a Pro Bowl. Uh, then now he's 35 years old, second team All Pro went to Pro Bowl. 36 years old, uh, second team All Pro went to Pro Bowl. 37 years old wins Defensive Player of the Year, win, was fifth in Comeback Player of the Year. I want to know who the other four were. Yes, uh, first team All Pro wow. went to Pro Bowl, and then uh, he retired. And then do you remember this? Because I didn't. He returned to play one year for the Carolina Panthers in 19, and he started 16 games and didn't do anything. <laughs> and then he forgot to put his CPAP uh, machine on and yeah, no more. Wow. We've mentioned a lot of players that I think just through the brutality of football just died young, just even tonight. Like Andre Waters was mentioned. He died young. Andre was known. He's an Eagle, so it's relevant. He was known as a headhunter, though. He was, he was you know, not, I'm not going to call him a dirty player. I speak ill of the dead, but he was a hard hitter. Uh, died young. Todd Bell. He died young. Dave Duerson was mentioned at some point tonight. You know, it is. There is a fucking toll. And Reggie, Reggie, it was shocking. You said, like, sleep apnea, but you do wonder, like, this stuff. Look how long he played. I mean, yeah, he, he was a 24-year-old rookie in 85. That's because he was a USFL player. But every year from his rookie year, as you point out, all the way uh, through his, like, uh, age 37 season, he got recognition. And uh, that's insane for football. So that's just insane even if all those awards you put they're all subjective obviously you're you're doing that for 15 years and there's you know he, he went to the pro bowl 13 times in 14 years and the only time he didn't you know, go was when he was a 39 year old kind of coming right. back for the panthers i mean i i do have to suggest that his defensive player of the year award as a 37 year old in 1980 might have been a little bit of sentimental but still the fact that it could even be discussed. Is, well, uh, uh, he had 16 sacks in 98. What the fuck? Maybe that's why he died young. He must have been juiced in his old age. 13, 18, that 21, 18, 11, 14, 15, 14, 13, and only 8. That was his fourth highest. 12, 8.5, 11, 16, and then 5.5 in his comeback. And he did still record 5.5 after taking a year off and coming back in 2000. 5.5 sacks for the Panthers. Yeah, not much you can say there. I'm glad we're talking about him in the context of the Eagles and not the Packers. This is ridiculous. In he, as a defensive end, in his first, let's see, he in his rookie year he had a hundred tackles as a defensive end. Then he had 98 in the next year, 76, 133 when he went in uh, in eight, in uh, 1988, 133 tackles as a defensive end. Then 123. Yeah. And then he had a hundred again. Um, these are all in the in Buddy's defense. Yeah. Well, not not eighty five, but uh, ninety one. Ninety one was Cotite's first year, but yeah, effectively. Then he goes yeah. to the uh, Packers, and his sack numbers are still high, but he gets more realistic defensive end tackle numbers, like 49, 42, yeah. Yeah, 39, yeah, 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 yeah. but one hundred and thirty three yeah. tackles. Yikes! Yeah. Yeah, that was probably a pretty good marriage, him and Buddy. That was right in the peak of his career. But it's still, it's who plays that long after starting at 24? So that itself is pretty ridiculous. Players whose career was of similar quality and shape. J.J. Watt. I believe it. Muhammad Wilkerson. Actually, I oh, I, I looked at Richard Dent. So three years. For a career, here's the guys career-wise that they compare to uh, 
um, Reggie White, Bruce Smith, Michael Strahan, Julius Peppers, Bear, John Ruff. Randall, Carl Eller, Jason yeah. Taylor, Alan Page, yeah. Bear, Chris Dolman, Randy White, and Kevin Williams of the oh. Cowboys. So, that's pretty good if you're on that list on Reggie's page. Right, no doubt. It's, yeah. not, it's not like Reggie is being compared to you. These are the guys who get compared to Reggie. That's what you accomplish there. Right. Yeah, I don't know why God couldn't have told him to play for the Bears. That would have been nice. Actually, I you know, know. God probably that... told him to play for the Bears, but the Bears were like, would you like to play for uh, $17 and some parking passes? Well, not to make too fine a point on it, but you could actually point, you know, you talk about the luck of Favre and Rodgers, but Reggie White signing with the Packers in 93 as much as anything really turned their fortunes around that from which they still sup on 30 years later. Cause he was, that was the 1993 was the advent of modern free agency. And he was like the very first guy to do it. And it was also unique because he was an African American going up to green Bay, you know, where we already talked about like James Lofton, like there were like, it was not necessarily the most hospitable environment um, if you're self-aware and he made it work, and those motherfuckers have been the beneficiaries of that. I mean, you know, ever since, as long as they give Reggie some credit, I suppose, because that, like, it, it did make Green Bay also like Sean Jones showing up in Green Bay. Like, it, 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 it did make. It wasn't just a place where you know African American players were drafted and resigned to. He went there, kind of opened the door, and that was, you know, it was kind of an iconic free agent signing. Sorry to give the Packers credit. I'm still annoyed by it. I mean, why didn't he sign with the Bears? Who did we sign? Craig Hayward? I was just looking to see who the Bears' 93 um, free agent signings were. I'll tell you. Craig Hayward, Andy Hack, which was not a bad signing, right? Is Andy Hack on that list? They didn't go big, though. Fucking Ron Wolf and Mike Holmgren went big. I don't know who else the Packers signed that year, but I do remember Sean Jones, who was like a longtime Houston Oilers big defensive end. Like he, all of a sudden, he shows up in Green Bay. The uh, let's see, the Bears signed Ironhead Hayward. Yep. Uh, Anthony Blaylock. Yeah, defensive back. Maybe not Andy Heck till the next year. I mean, the Bears uh, traded their eighth rounder for Joe Kane. Okay, going over fifty-nine. Let's see. They traded down to. They they made a trade with the Packers, and they drafted Al Fontenot. Albert Fontenot, yeah, not Jerry Fontenot. Albert Fontenot, the defensive lineman, not the offensive lineman. And uh, they had traded Jay Hilgenberg in 92 uh, to Cleveland, and they got uh, they picked Todd Perry with his pick. Oh, great. I remember Excited. Todd Perry. No longer 75. Oh, this was a Good big time. We got a big trade, though. Um, one of the most famous trades in Bears history. The Bears traded John Roper, Kelly Blackwell, oh, yeah. and Marcus Paul, who was also dead, in exchange for Vincent Smith, Barry Minter, and two Texas draft picks. I don't know yep. who those ended up, or two. Dallas draft picks. I don't know who those ended up being. 
team. I'm sure they were great. We just know how John Roper's behavior shaped that trade. Was John Roper or Ron Cox? It was one of those two. Roper. The famous thing about Roper, I think we told this when we talked about the Cowboys, was uh, uh, he fell asleep in a meeting in Dallas, and Jimmy cut him. Yep. And they After asked the bear trade, that's what it was. He got asked. Jimmy got asked. He said, so is that a rule that if a player falls asleep in a meeting? And he said, well, it depends who it is. He said, if John Roper falls asleep in a meeting, you cut him. If Troy Aikman falls asleep in a meeting, you wake him up and ask him if he wants a pillow. I that was pretty funny. Yeah, I got that confused because Roper, the trade was, the Bears got, also, like, by the time the Bears had drafted uh, Roper and Cox, like, it was, we were already in that malaise of post like They were just interchangeable linebackers, like whatever. And then like Vincent Smith was more of the same. It just, it didn't matter. Uh, it was just funny to learn that after, um, after, after John Roper was given a lifeline to play with a first class organization that was on their way to a Super yeah. Bowl, hey. that he fucked it up by falling asleep in a meeting. So and he's from Texas. He went to A&M. You would have thought he'd have been uh, excited about being home, but no. Yeah, no. Well, it, actually, because you brought up Ron Cox. Was the biggest free agent signing of the Wani era Brian Cox? Had to be. That was the split. Well, I mean, well, you said 93 already. Hayward. I mean, Andy Heck was a signing. 95, 90. I mean, yeah, absolutely was because they were, you know, that was it. Had to be. Good moron. Yeah, I'm mad too again about that 97 Bears team that totally could have. They won like three out of the last five games. I forgot about it. I just remember watching the Sunday night game against the Rams. Like, the only game, like three of the games Dave wants that won were like in vain that sacrificed one of the best chances the Bears had at a great draft pick. Granted, they, you know, that was the Peyton Manning draft. They ended up like 12th and 98. They got courtesy in this, but, you know, still uh, cursed by that. Well, let's see. Uh, could be our last thing. Here. I, I think uh, people are getting tired of two hours of Eagles talk. Yeah, we're not really talking about the Eagles anymore. Um, That's right. So who players that the so yeah obviously oh, Peyton I'm Manning went first now. overall. Then Ryan Leaf, then Andre Wadsworth. Okay. So the Cardinals might want their pick back too because then fourth was Charles Woodson. Right to the Raiders. Then the Bears took Curtis Penis. All right, so the Bears are only fifth. So the only the only guys that missed it. Well, they wouldn't have gotten Manning. They may have gotten Wadsworth. All right, they would have guys Charles Woodson. Don't you think they, they would have picked Charles Woodson? Your defensive head right. coach would have got right. a look at him and said, "That's the dude I want." Yeah. And the Packers would have never had him. Actually, the Packers probably still would have had him. He would have gone from the Bears. That was at the end of his career, though. But you're right. And then, of course, you're seeing guys after pretty good players. I know they talked about drafting Kyle Turley. He ended up having a pretty good career, but it was weird. So that's probably a good yeah. idea. Although anybody would have been better than Hurt's penis. Um, right. Ray Ellis was a pretty good player. Fred Taylor was a good running back. Much better yes, than he was. Curtis. Yes, he uh, was. Let's see. Jason Peter Keith was Bro- in Nebraska. He went nuts and tried to kill somebody. Well, you skipped over Keith Brooking, the yeah. KO Spikes. Those were good players for a while. Kevin Dyson, who almost scored that touchdown against in the Super Bowl. Uh, Robert Edwards, who hilariously blew out his knee in a beach volleyball game in the offseason. No, it was a sand, a a sand uh, touch football game at the Pro Bowl. It was an NFL sanctioned <laughs> event. 
Oh, okay. But then the guy who went yeah. 21 is probably the guy who most of the teams on this That's list right. wish they had picked. Yep. 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 Randy Moss went 21. Oh. Went on the highest ranked, the highest drafted Mac player who would go on to have probably the most uh, incredible rookie season for a wide receiver. And it's funny so, because the um, the Cowboys almost took him at eight, and he lasted till twenty one. I wonder how many yeah. times Ray, um, Jerry tried to trade Jerry. back into the first round to get him. And oddly enough, Randy never did make it back to the Cowboys. Yeah, you would have like thought, given you know, amazing the Raiders for him. So I guess it wouldn't have mattered if Wanstead won those, you know. Yeah, it would have. They would have had Charles Woodson. Well, Charles Woodson, but then it still wouldn't have mattered because they didn't fire him after that year, and he was still back, and Charles Woodson would probably not end up in the Hall of Fame because he was stuck with the Bears and Dave Wanstead. Yeah, I'd been fine so, with that. He went to Michigan, so screw him. He can rot. Good point. Yeah, no Hall of Famers after the first round in that draft. Pfft. All they had was Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Randy Moss, and Alan Fanica. Well, just four. Just four Hall of Famers. Just four, and, and a draft in which the Bears had the fifth pick. I mean, I could understand if the first four picks were the well, They also had the 35th pick? Tony Parrish. He wasn't bad. Okay. Right. He wasn't great, but he wasn't bad. Third round, they took some bum named Olin Krutz. Not bad. Who had to actually beat out Casey Wegman in training camp to, be the, uh, to get the... Uh, to be the center, and Wegman ended up going to Kansas City and having a decent career. But Fourth round, they Wegman. took Mike. No, they took Alonzo Mays. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. Who, uh, yeah, who they later traded for some draft picks. I think Mays was like a head case that would have been a first, he was a first round talent that Wanstead thought he could do something with. I remember Alonzo Mays. It was great. Then they took, oh, sixth round. They took the uh, longest tenured bear ever. Oh, Pat Manley. Patrick Manley. Pretty good draft, actually. Good on you, Mark Hatley. Well, out of seven, he had eight picks and he got two players. That's not, oh, well, three. Tony Pierce. Yeah. Yeah, and he got a long snapper. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, people he, love Patrick Manley, but I mean. Yes. Yes, he blew the top five draft pick, but he for a barely Mr. Irrelevant, he got the longest tenured player in Bears history. So, yes. oh, you're right. Yeah. His last chance. two picks were the best: Chad Overhauser and Moses Marino. Good job. Oh, Moses Marino, put him on the pile. Bear quarterback took a snap in an NFL game. Yes, he did, kids. Moses Marino. All right. Well, that's enough of that shit. Yeah, I'm done. Well, thanks, Mike. Thanks. <laughs> Many of us have herpes. I just want this to be over.